Thanks for checking out this episode of The Combative Stories with my man Cody Safdick. But first, I just wanted to give you guys a reminder that the tape index has dropped in its entirety on MMAplay365.com. We got the entire February schedule for MMA, UFC, and Bellator. The entire tape index for all those cards are available on the tape index right now. Make sure you guys go check that out and sign up. $3.99 a month, that's less than a card. Uh, that's less than a dollar per card ton of value um very helpful for the last year for a lot of people and now we're just trying to make it even better but it's going to take us a little bit more time to continuously put them out so we think the four dollars a month is definitely worth it so spend more time studying less time browsing and more time with your loved ones because you're not scouring the web for random regional fights in buttfuck nowhere brazil so check it out we appreciate the support now enjoy this episode I see that now. I kind of think of you because I remember you brought up a story on Twitter or something about uh, being in the horse racing business. I'm just so like mystified. I, I never put that together. So your dad is currently a racer and has been a racer for how long? Like 30 years. So Holy basically, shit. yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. his 20s. Yeah. So my dad's born in Sudbury, Ontario, which yeah. is a mining town way north, four hours north of Toronto. And uh, yeah, he he's from like a blue collar family, lived in yeah. the city, has no experience with horses whatsoever. So his dad works at this mine, right? Inco. Mm -hmm. And he's a drafter at the mine. His dad worked in the mine, was, yeah. was an actual miner, uh, Croatian immigrant, comes to Sudbury to be a miner. His son, he says, I don't want my son being underground in the mine. Yeah. So his son works at the mine. God damn. But, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But drafts <laughs> above ground. And then so then my dad, again, no knowledge of horses at this point. And then my grandfather, like eight of his buddies at the mine. They're like, yo, let's let's throw in a couple bucks and buy like a cheap horse. There's a racetrack in Sudbury, right? Sudbury okay. Downs. Okay. They're like, let's buy a cheap racehorse and then we'll go and we'll watch the horse. So they do that. And my dad goes a couple times and is just like, man, this is this is the tits. Like I <laughs> this is the <laughs> that best. That just yeah, peaked yeah. it for him. Yeah. So he goes nice. and he gets a job and he starts working at the track. Like basically he's just he's shoveling shit, doing his thing. And uh, does that for a few years, likes it. And then his dad tells him, so this is my grandfather, tells him, like, there's no career in, in horse racing. You don't want to be someone who's shoveling shit the rest of your life. You need yeah. to go to school. So he, like, forces my dad more or less, like, you need to go to school. Live under my roof, got to go to school. So my dad goes to school for, like, he takes, like, marketing and accounting or something like that. But, <laughs> like, his, like his, his, his plan B here is... He's going to work at the bank, but, uh, but he says he's going to his classes and like, he's got the textbook and he's got the race program and he's looking at the races and he just, he loves the races. So like, he's like a month away from two months away from graduating from his program. Yeah. And this guy gives him an opportunity, I guess, to like take some horses and, and leave and like go to Ottawa. And he, he just bails out of school. Oh, yeah, shit. yeah, bails out of school. <laughs> now, now in Sudbury, he's, he's, he's been there for a couple of years and yeah. he is driving. Mm-hmm. But like, he, he's, he's like small time on the driving, meets my mom in this like process. He's like 16 years old. He meets my mom. Yeah. Her family is a horse racing family. So my grandfather oh. on my mom's side, big time trainer, had full stable in Sudbury. I ended up moving down here, had a full stable. And my uncle Mike, who I work with now, is a mm -hmm. horse trainer. My uncle Gary was a trainer and a driver. And, and they were dominating up in Sudbury, but my dad wasn't. So yeah. he leaves Sudbury, comes down here, tells my mom like, you know, like, give me a few you know, give me a few months to see if I can do this. Yeah. Goes to Ottawa with a, with a horse getaway, Omaha ends up taking off, goes to Florida with that same horse, sells the horse for like 35 American. And uh -huh. that's what like starts him off. He takes my mom, marries her, moves to Toronto and is like, give me a shot. 
and then just rises up. Give me to a shot right. to who, like, what, what, how do you even start off in that? Like, so, so essentially, and here's the biggest thing about him, right? He's the 14th all time leading money uh, driver in like a Canadian born, right? Yeah. In Canada. And he's like number seven for like money earned in Canada. And there's been something fuck. like, there's been something like almost a hundred thousand people that have driven a horse professionally in a Damn. race, right? That's so some high accolades. High accolades, right? But Shit. he's but he's the only guy out of that whole bunch that's a first generation guy. Every other guy's second, third, like There's born some, into it. Everybody's born into it. Because like you said, how how do you get your start? Well, you're born into it. Yeah. Chances are that you know somebody, your dad was a famous trainer or a famous mm-hmm. driver. He's got connections. He sets you up with a barn. You people know the name, people know you. You grew up yeah. around it. That's how you get your start. For him to be an outsider and to come over, it was unheard of. And yeah. what ended up actually happening was when he told my mom, let's move to Ontario, he moves to Ontario and he was driving in Sudbury. Mm-hmm. He was driving in Ottawa. He drove a little bit in Florida. Yeah. When he comes to Ontario, and Ontario is the premier circuit for horse racing, when he comes to Ontario, nobody's going to let him drive. So he gets a job for this guy, this like older fella. And uh, he's he's back to shoveling shit, but he's in he's in Toronto now. Like mm-hmm. he's he's at the it's called like epicenter. The, it's yeah, it's, it's it's really is the grand circuit, right? Okay. Like he's made it to the A tracks from the yeah. B tracks. He's up to the A tracks, but he's not driving at this point. And this old guy ends up like I guess getting cancer, right? Mm-hmm. And so doesn't tell my dad, but uh, he's like a dying man. So he has lunch with a couple of his buddies, and he mentions to them like, oh, you know what? I'm getting out of the game. I got some health issues. I feel bad because I just hired this kid from Sudbury. Come all the way down from Sudbury. Yeah. Uh, if, if any of you guys can give him a job, then, you know, toss him a job. So my dad's like, all right. Wow. So 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 my dad's got like a bus ticket to go back to Sudbury. And like one of this old man's buddies that he had lunch with, mm-hmm. they run into him and this Garth Gordon. And he's just like, why don't you stick around and work for me? So my dad sticks around, works for Garth. I'm assuming Garth is a big name in the industry. So Garth's a medium name in the industry. Okay. He's a trainer driver. And at this okay. point, more or less everybody's a trainer driver. You train yeah. the horse, you drive yourself. You don't just come in and drive the horse. Mm-hmm. So Garth's training and driving. And Garth's got this horse called Soft Light. And it's a very, okay. very, very nice horse. And Garth bangs up his knee and hurts his knee. So he can't drive the horse. So he tells my dad, he's like, take Soft Light around for me. Mm-hmm. My dad drives a Soft Light horse puts up a career mark like the it, he wins the fastest the horse have ever been jeez and then he comes back and Garth Gordon says You're lines right. of yours now kid Damn. and then that starts him out and Garth wow. Gordon and his late wife Gloria they're my godparents so when i was okay. born my dad is a sign of respect uh, not that we're religious but I it's know. like a, you know what i mean it's, it's a just a sign of respect yeah 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 it's a so, godparent yeah. so basically just like that's how much that start meant and we're still we, we still talk to garth gloria past um but mm-hmm. they're very good people and then that's awesome yeah from there just like it really took off for him and so, then and, and and then the biggest thing for him sorry the last thing i'll throw in the biggest thing for, for him though is he was i know this is gonna sound super weird right but but it sticks <laughs> okay. with me hit me <laughs> he was never the number one guy he was huh. the number two guy Two three times. Yeah, he was the number three guy, four guy, five guy. Never for, number for, one. Yeah, he was never number one. Interesting. Okay, all the guys that were ever number one, they fucked them up. They got mental case oh. because you get to the highest part of the mountain. They all went to rehab, drug problems. Oh, really? Like they yeah, spun well, yeah. out. They just Doom, yeah. Fucked. Remember, wow. I said the list of fourteen guys. Of those fourteen guys, something like seven of them have been to rehab uh, for for drugs, right? Oxycontin, mostly pills. Just uh, you. 
the edge gets to you, the depression, you're not driving no good. This guy, only you only get paid mm-hmm. if the horse finishes in the top five. You're trying to win, that's the most money. If the horse is not racing good, you're not racing good, you don't get paid. You got a family, you got bills. How do yeah, you live yeah, your yeah. life? How do you live your life when you got 30 grand coming in this month and five grand coming in the next month? Yeah. Right? It's a big swing. What is the swing between like first and fifth if there is a different for every race or yeah, whatever so it is let's, like so let's say the race is going off for ten thousand dollars which okay. would be the cheapest race at the a track is eleven thousand dollars but just for okay. the sake of this we're gonna say ten thousand dollars if you win the race you get 50 percent of the purse okay so whoever owns the horse gets five g's right okay out of his five g's he's got to give his trainer five percent he's got to give his driver five percent True. So of his five G's, he's paying out five hundred bucks. And how often would they these races and drives be? <laughs> well, oh, like okay. is it a livable wage? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The eight tracks. Okay. The eight tracks go four nights a week. And oh. There's, and there's and there's okay. A, and there's ten races every night. And how often and can you race your horse? Go, yeah. How you often you can race your horse once a week? Once a week. Okay. But so, as a driver, you could drive theoretically ten times a night at Mohawk. And oh. then, but you could also go to Flamborough on Sunday and drive 10 times, assuming yeah. you're... You I had no idea it worked like that. Like, I, I never really thought about, like, what the actual business is behind the, the horse races and stuff. Like, is is Woodbine considered, like, a big racetrack, like, Woodbine's in the industry? the biggest. That's Woodbine's the biggest, the biggest. by it's far. It's the A-track. It's the A-track. Like, in, in all of Ontario, like, it's the yeah. shit, like, it's the number it's one? It's the shit in all of Ontario. Oh, well, see, no, Woodbine actually just transitioned to Mohawk, but it's, yeah. it's called Woodbine Mohawk Park. Let's just yeah. say it's still the same entity. Yeah. Uh, not only is it the biggest in Ontario, it's the biggest in Canada by a landslide, mm-hmm. and it would be number one one or two in North America. Damn. Yeah. Because there's big. a couple there's a couple raceways in there's one in New Jersey, one in New York, mm-hmm. and one in Pennsylvania that are big tracks. And outside of that, they've got a lot of B tracks as well. Yeah. Ontario has something like eight or nine racetracks, but they've got one A track and then they've got uh Western Fair in London, it's a B track. Okay. Georgian Downs up in Barrie, it's a B track. Okay. Clinton Raceway in Clinton, Ontario. It's B-track. like the, the regional Raceway it's like the Hanover. regional scene essentially. Like if we were to compare it to like MMA in terms of like yeah, Woodbine yeah, is yeah. the UFC and then the rest of these B tracks are like Bellator or like an LFA or something like that. hundred percent. Kind of yeah, like that. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. And and that and that's why my dad's always said he's got something like fifty four hundred career wins. <laughs> right, but there's but there's but there's but there's guys that have ten percent of what my dad's made money wise that have eight thousand wins. Because oh. they spent their entire career banging at the bees. For a small money. Oh, true, 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 You true, might true. race for two grand, Makes three sense. grand. My dad's racing for 40 grand, 50 grand. Damn. He's winning free-for-alls. He won a race for $1.1 million. Like, like that, that. That's insane. Right. So so the number, you get one win on your win column, mm-hmm. but your purse earnings. But again, a different amount. You're right. It's but X only, amount. Yeah, and he only gets 5%. Mm-hmm. So when I say he's made $100 million in his career, that that's $5 million take home at the mm-hmm. end of the day. By the way, I don't see none of that. Right? <laughs> he lives his life. He lives his life. I live, yeah. I live my That's life. That's not what I'm trying no, to No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't want to give other wrong impression. Like, yeah, yeah. No, because he's a hardworking guy. Made, he's no, self-made that's man. great. Self-made like, the man. story is cool Super as hell. Super motivating. So yeah. I, don't, I don't look but for But it's handouts. rubbed off on you in, in the sense of like, you are a type of like, entrepreneur type of guy trying to find your lane uh i don't know exactly what the fuck you're doing you're talking about having like all these different projects and shit and i'm like what the fuck i thought this guy was just like fight networking it and and uh bookie beatdown that's it i thought yeah. that's what you were doing but like what it what else is going on with cody like what the fuck are you like if there's anything that you can actually share like i'm not sure how far along you are in your other ventures within life but like what? What kind of are you trying to stay in the 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 family business now per se? Like, is horse racing something that you want to follow, or 
where where are you? Yeah, you know what? Like, it's definitely taking a lot more of my time. I own four horses now, and so I okay, go. Okay, so you're in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I uh, I help my uncle tra- and my dad train three of them three days a week, yeah. and then I got two that are out on the east coast, which uh, my girlfriend's father trains. Okay, and her sister's boyfriend, Paul, good fucking guy. <laughs> Shout out, Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul Langell, my boy. Yeah, they're they're both super good people. Um. Yeah, so so I find myself like doing it a lot more. And mm-hmm. am I more passionate about horse racing than fighting? Like fighting's my love. Like why didn't I get into horse racing when I was a kid? Remember I was saying like there's no first generation guys doing it? I'm a second generation guy. I yeah, could have done it. Mm-hmm. But similar to like I didn't pursue fighting as an athlete, is it because I'm a pussy or is it just because that's not who I am, right? And the same thing goes with horse racing. Mm-hmm. Do I want to drive a horse? Yeah, like was going to be one of my next questions actually. Yeah, yeah. Is that something that you want to do? Well, there's a bucket list, right? And the fight uh-huh. thing, the fight thing is on the bucket list. Okay. However, there's a lot more likelihood of just beating up a tuk-tuk driver in Thailand, <laughs> right? Than fucking blowing out my ACL, yeah, exactly. shooting a fucking double leg in upstate New <laughs> oh, York. Poor, right? poor so, you. So the, that, that could get the, yeah. at least it'd be off the bucket list. But like, yeah, you know. The I, risk, is it really worth the reward? Like, Yeah, parachuting and yeah. winning a horse race and like all that. Although, although by the way... Uh, and I've always told myself this, right? To get the to get the amateur MMA fight, at mm-hmm. least, because it's it'd be tougher to take an amateur MMA fight than beat up some fucking drunk in Thailand. Right? Yeah, let's be can, real here. Yeah, to take the amateur MMA fight and then to win a horse race would make me the only person to ever win an MMA fight and a horse race. <laughs> and, and but isn't that fucking at least something? Like, how many people could say they're Holy the only shit. person to ever do something? But m- mind you, I've done none of the fucking two things I just said, right? <laughs> that- said, but but if I was I'm surprised your mind even went there, dude. <laughs> like, yeah, it's I a get... good thing to. It's like it's like when they make up the statistics for some of the UFC fighters. First ever fighter to have a rear naked choke <laughs> on March seventh of twenty yeah. whatever. Like they're just making shit up. But that is actually like how many people can really say that they're in the horse business and MMA because they're particularly both. They're pretty niche if you look at the other sports. Yeah, Muhammad Ali raced a horse one time, but he didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> And he also didn't. <laughs> and he also didn't take an amateur MMA fight. So, oh, so, so there's been actually there's been guys oh. that have boxed and taken a horse race. Dude, so that's why I've got to make it a little me. more type Pacific. Well, specific. Uh, if you were to have cho- like to choose one, say like you just say one day, okay, I got to do one of these and fuck the other one, give a shit about which one would you would you feel like would make you feel more accomplished? Uh, or or, the, or the, feel the, better the, about the, yourself. The, you know the I mean? horse, I think the horse racing thing. Yeah. You know what? Uh, as much as I love MMA, and again, that's my passion. That's my number one. No exactly. doubt about it. Things like this past weekend, the Conor McGregor fight, mm-hmm. the the reaction of the fans, right? So dumb. Yeah, so dumb. Oh. So dumb that I don't engage with it, but I still I don't read either. it. I, I don't either. read it. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's my problem on Twitter is that I'm not as vocal about stuff because I don't want to fight with people over stupid Me shit. Neither. Me neither. And there's neither. so much stupid shit. <laughs> I know. I can't. Do, I can't. That's why I leave it for platforms like right. this. Like when I can actually talk about it, I don't answer- have to like tick, 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 tick and reply to people and shit. I'm not about that. Like this is the point of view that I'm going to have and I highly doubt whatever you're going to say is going to make me change my mind. I'll be open to it. Yeah, I'm open to listen to your opinion, but 
I have my opinion it's probably going to be made up no matter what. Like like people talking about Connor getting or making it fixed or whatever, how Cowboy took a dive. Like how that's even on my timeline is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And the amount of backlash regarding uh, what the ESPN guys are saying. Who is it? Fucking Skip Bayless and and, uh, Stephen A. Smith and what these guys are fucking saying. Why are you getting your panties in a bunch about that shit? Like why do you give a fuck? Like who gives a shit? That's his opinion. That's why he is where he is because he's saying outrageous shit and it's getting a stir. His name is out there now. That's all he fucking wants. Do you think he cares what the MMA fans think? Do you think Stephen A. Smith gives a fuck about what the MMA fans think? Of course he's going to say what's the most controversial and what people are going to be talking about the next day. Fuck that guy. Don't let it fuck with you. Like, why are you... I don't know. I I feel like sometimes I'm too passive. Like, some things I just... Like, I don't don't give a fuck. Like, I'm just going to leave this alone. I don't know if that's with you. That's why you're, you're not as vocal on Twitter. But now is your platform. You can fucking <laughs> express your 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 lack of love of MMA Twitter just because how toxic it can, toxic it can be at times. Well, we've been super lucky here, right? Because the fans that we've got for our show are awesome fans. But yeah. The problem that I have is like, let's say I have 20, 30 super fucking good guys. Yeah. And they all send me a question, right? Yeah. And I answer 20 or 30 questions. Mm-hmm. And then there's a the follow-up question, right? Yeah. It's very hard eventually when you got so much shit going on. It's it's very hard to justify replying to 30 messages. Now, now the hardest working guy I've ever met mm-hmm. is Pat Mayo, right? I live okay. with Pat. I seen it all. I went to college with Pat. Nice. I seen it all. That's why he's so far ahead. That's why he has 50,000 followers. He's DraftKings go-to guy. He's done exceptionally well for himself. Like his interaction with fans is why he's gotten there is what you're saying? You've never seen somebody's hustle and grind like that guy. Ever. Ever. Mm -hmm. And like we're watching, we're watching like, uh, you know, Super Bowl. Not Super Bowl, sorry. But we're watching like, you know, the NFC Championship game. We're watching like NFL playoffs. We're watching stuff he's got a big interest in. And the whole time people want to, they're they're asking you questions. They're watching the game. And instead of watching the game, he's got this ability of like, bing, 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 I used to think, oh yeah, dude, the like whole just, time, the whole fuck. time, whole time. And I used to think, wow, that's impressive. But then the moment I knew, holy fuck, <laughs> this is not impressive. This is a gift that the gods handed down okay. to one Patrick Mayo. Uh, he's, he was able to get a girlfriend out of it. <laughs> dude, dude, she's sitting at the bar, okay? She's, and he's texting away. He's half watching the game. He's half, He's definitely fucking interacting with all of his fans, and he's still... You know, letting her, know letting her know this is my guy, this is my girl, right? Like, oh. like uh, his multitasking ability was just second to none. And anyways, he's married. He's got a kid. That's and, awesome. Yeah, no, and his and his life is just his life and his career has gone very very far. But I associate all of that with I seen it. This guy just works so goddamn hard. Mm-hmm. It is tough to do. Like even during oh, like God. watching a UFC event, like I'm watching it with my boys. I don't want to be that guy that's just on his fucking phone, like texting back to people and, and tweeting back to people and all that stuff. I kind of want to just sit back and enjoy it. But that is another way to kind of grow your following as well too. Like if you're remaining active during times of the UFC, especially when it's on live, there's going to be a lot of people out there that are kind of watching it alone and on Twitter. Yeah. So that's a, a way to reach out to them, to engage with them, and to you know get that follow or whatever it is to to continue to expand your exposure. Um, I'm doing my best with it. Like I, I had to make a deal with my girl. I'm like pay per view events. I gotta like this is something that I want to do. Like if we're watching live this tweet. together, yeah. That, not not that, really live tweet, but well, reply way, to people and that's stuff. That's the way. Like, it's the way. That's man. the easiest way to like get that demographic that you're trying to go for. Yeah. Um. 
but like then getting like the the Cody rub, getting the Fernando Proces rub. That's another thing that I kind of like. I'm not trying to like. I I know that we kind of have the same demographic, and it's kind of sad for me that I haven't gotten to reset yet. But you've been around this game for so fucking long. Like the, that's the thing that's surprising to me too. I knew you initially as the guy that did the matchmaking for us for SCC two. Yeah, I did not know you had your hand in like the. the were you like? Were you in the MMA Twitter gambling world around that time? Like, they we're talking about 2011, 2012. Right, right. So, essentially, like, my getup is everybody else kind of gets into MMA through the UFC. Mm-hmm. I got into MMA through the IFL because... How did that happen? <laughs> right, right. So, it's 2006, and International Fight League, they struck up a deal with, like, Fox Sports, maybe. Mm-hmm. And it would broadcast, and they'd play at, like, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Some weird wow. ass channel That's that weird. I had, right? <laughs> Live or right. tape delay? Got to be tape, tape delay. delay. Tape, tape delay. delay. Okay. Tape delay. Yeah, yeah. But but they would always do the next episode because it was seasons, right? Uh-huh. And it'd be like season one, episode one, and then it was team format. So you'd have like you know like uh, I've heard a little bit about it. I've never really dug into. Oh it. yeah. I know oh, it's like a team God. based Crazy. MMA sport. Ben Folks was a part of it too. Like that. I don't know. They always talk about him and Chad Dundas. They're always talking about the IFL. And, if you look at like a roster of the guys that they had, they ended up being like awesome guys, like Roy Nelson fought there ben Rothwell yeah, fought there that's what they chris horidecki who was like wow. just a kid and he's from london that was yeah, like yeah. so 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 the way that that it really gravitated towards me is that i'd get home from school at like 3 45 right perfect timing and my dad naps all afternoon because, <laughs> because he races all night right yeah, yeah yeah so he'd wake up from his nap and i'd get home from school and we'd watch the <laughs> ifl for an hour and wow. it was the shit that's awesome and then tough three comes out i watched tough three loosely mm-hmm. and then tough four comes out mm-hmm. game changer and i've had a fascination for journeyman ever since <laughs> i don't like i don't like people in their I, prime i don't i don't care so funny. for people who are at the top of their game i i love guys tin bangers <laughs> 50 fights oh grinding on the regional that's my shit those are the guys well, the, the first guy i think of is john alessio i don't know why yeah <laughs> that's dude. the one of the guys that i think about john alessio is like oh and six in the ufc yeah, yeah exactly three stints, three yeah, <laughs> but he fought, he fought pat milicic for the world title he was like 22 oh or i think he was on like ufc 140 something he, oh, that's yeah, when he like yeah, made yeah, his yeah, last yeah. comeback and then he didn't make it through but uh he fought for one of our score fighting series cards uh yeah. against uh pat healy you know what dude John Alessio, uh, Pat Healy's my boy. Right? Pat Healy, yeah. twin brother, no, Ryan, no, not Healy. Pat, Ryan, Ryan Healy. Sorry, That's sorry, sorry Ryan Healy, my bad. I yeah, got Ryan F- Healy fought in Canada a bunch of times. Oh, yeah. Score fighting series, they loved him. Yeah, and PFC as well. He fought out there. He fought Alex Ricci. And, yes, I yeah, remember that. Been around for a while, but they're twin brothers, Pat Healy. Yeah, Ryan yeah, Healy. yeah. Dude, the, I don't know. Did you see the Jesse Ronson and Ryan Healy fight? Have you seen that one? Yes. From Score Fighting yeah, Series. Yeah, yeah. That was some crazy shit. I was working with the Score Fighting Series at that time. And uh, I got the chance to actually like sit down cage side and watch that one. They went to fucking war. Yeah. I believe it went to a decision, but they went to fucking war. And there's this one moment of the fight where Jesse Ronson threw three head kicks in a row. Yeah. And they all landed cleanly on Ryan Healy. And he's still just marching forward. No fucks. Like he was just as tough as his brother. Easily. So tough, so tough. And the super sad part about MMA is like, you remember those wars. You remember just like, holy shit, this guy took it. And I remember by, by the end, Marcin held TKO'd him. And it was one of those just like, it breaks you over time. You know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. you can fight and you can be a grinder. And that's why like, I got so much love for the journeyman. Cause it's yeah. like, it takes a very <laughs> special person to fight at least 50 times and not really be at the top of the sport. Yeah. But don't meet your heroes, by the way, because Joe Riggs was my guy. And the yeah. first time I met him, he was, I, 
And yeah. the second and third time I met him, he's just like, such Super a piece cool. of shit. No, oh, no, piece of oh, shit. Oh, shit. That's not the turn that I was no, talking about. Like, don't meet like, your heroes. <laughs> I didn't say go meet your heroes. I I, I did meet Vanderlei Silva. It was uh, with... Yeah, man, I mean, he was good. He was cool. Was he, was he good for you? He, he was with Tiago Alves. So they were speaking in Portuguese with each other. Okay. And uh, Dave Shaw from the UFC is like, oh, I know these guys. Uh, Vanderlei is your favorite fighter. You can go take a picture with him if you want. I'm like... I don't know if I want to do this. I eventually got it. Like Dave Shaw actually took it. Uh, but then they just kept talking to each other. I didn't want to be that dick to be like, hey, Vandalay, big fan, blah, blah, blah. I just, they just let me have the picture and they shook my hand and that was it. Like, didn't really even talk to him because he was just busy with Tiago Alves. I just don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that fan to like take away from their experience of being just a regular human being. I don't want to be that guy. Like, here's another one. Lorenzo Fertitta. Yeah. I saw him in the one of the markets in Boston. I went to Boston for Conor McGregor and Dennis Seaver. And me and my girl went to this mar- very famous market and I saw him and his brother. I was like, what the fuck? Lorenzo's right there. And I literally just went up to him and just, uh, I had to say something at that point. I'm like, uh, thanks for doing what you guys are doing. I just shook his hand and just left. Didn't ask for a picture, nothing. I'm like, hey, Lorenzo, keep doing what you guys are doing. Shook his hand and left. I was just like starstruck. I was just like, I'm not expecting to see Lorenzo motherfucking Fertito here, right? Or Fertito? Fertito. What am I talking Fertita. about? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a fucking Mexican food. But <laughs> Fertito. Fertitos. Fertitos. Sounds like a grocery store in Canada. <laughs> yeah, it could be that too. <laughs> um, no, but I, I hate being that guy that like, tries to push on on celebrities in a sense like i don't want to be that guy i i I hear you man and honestly when i went to college that was the biggest thing that they had told me because i went specifically for like a tv media program tv Mm -hmm. and radio media and uh yeah the biggest thing that they had stressed out is just like when you meet these guys you can't be fanboying over them exactly and and they weren't they were setting us up more for like my whole program was into hockey Mm -hmm. was into football was into basketball yeah soccer to a lesser extent nobody did mma nobody nobody Wow. I went to college in like 2011, 2012, Where right? Where did you go? It's called CSM, College of Sports Media. It's like a... Okay. Yeah, it's it probably... Oh, it, uh, actually, I've heard about it. Uh, my brother was actually going to go one time. Uh, but yeah, I did take a tour uh, there, actually. So so from my year, right? Because they only took 40 kids for the program, right? Yeah, but yeah, from, yeah. from my year, Pat Mayo, right? Who ended up doing big things for DraftKings, right? Paul Shaughnessy, my boy, personally. <laughs> yeah. Danielle Michaud is on air at Sportsnet. She also does the... Uh, between period interviews with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, sick. Sean McKenzie, it's Bob McKenzie's kid. He does the Toronto Maple Leafs, like he's big on, he does their interviews, he does So the turnover stuff. in terms of like getting into a legitimate job after this program is pretty fucking high. Jesse Rubinoff did Sportsnet for a little bit, he got <laughs> let go, but he was doing Sportsnet for a little bit. George yeah. Popolis was also at Sportsnet. Uh, these guys were all, they all made it on air. Phil Perkins made it on air. These guys are all, let's say from the 40 kids, like eight of them, I, I would be like considered the... 10th or 12th most successful person of the 40? <laughs> no, that's no joke, man. Wow. It, yeah, dude, it was star-studded. I, I can't speak for the other years, but our yeah. year absolutely crushed it, right? So you and Paul came straight from that program to Fight Network? Yeah, so so, so Paul and I come straight to Fight Network. And at yeah. this point, like, I've been watching fighting since 2006. It's now 2012, 2013. Mm-hmm. So I've got like six and seven years as a fanboy. In, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, dude, I, I drove, holy fuck, man. I drove to Gatineau, Quebec to watch Tony Carter versus Carlos Newton, right? What was that? What was Warrior One. Warrior yeah, One. Warrior One holy MMA. Shit. Yeah, wow. that, I'm so fascinated by that stuff, right? Yeah. And I just, th- so, but now at this point, I'm completely fanboy. I've, I've gone to like MMA expos and whatever, and I start at Fight Network, and then just all that stuff from college, it's like, don't, don't treat it yeah. like anything. So, 
So Fight Night has this big party, and it's just like, yeah, there's Sha- Brendan Schaub's there, and like, yeah, fuck, I was at one of them with uh, Weidman, and uh, I think you were there, Weidman. Yeah, Sean Shelby yeah. was there. Sean Shelby was there. I yeah. Shelby, so I, I, now I'm shooting. I go from fanboy just out of college to I have a 20 minute conversation and shit with with Sean so, Shelby. Yeah, we're, exactly. We're playing ping pong with Chris Weidman. Yep. Fucking, we catch Brendan Schaub cheating on the girlfriend. Like, <laughs> like right, right. But this is the, but this is the I greatest. I do not know about all. that part, but okay. <laughs> I spilt a fucking glass of wine on showdown joe's girlfriend's boots oh i know anyway so this same night i'm boozed i you can probably <laughs> tell by how the story's going on <laughs> for sure and you can ask anybody that was at the fight night between 2013 2016 <laughs> cody yeah that guy so rory mcdonald's there and nice. the motherfucker's wearing red pants which i just i don't get <laughs> i don't get it i just don't get is this it. pre-red king or post-red king this is 2004 14 2050 like he's he's not weird okay he's, he's like george's george's admittedly saying i'm gonna pass the crown to him i'm gonna retire ah, okay. in the next couple fights pass it to him like he's the shit and he's wearing red pants so <laughs> right i know so i go so i always whatever i'm drinking so i go up to him i'm like rory and he's not having none of it he's oh. at the party too yeah uh he's not having none of it right yeah. so i i asked him straight i'm like why are you wearing red pants he kind of takes offense <laughs> It doesn't get heated. It gets awkward. Yeah. And then like a couple of people from the fight network are like, yo, 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 you've been drinking. This is l- bad look on you. You're hoping to get into this industry. Yeah. yeah You're yeah. hoping to rise, right? Slow your roll. Slow yeah. Your yeah. Roll. Anyways, like a <laughs> <laughs> couple of months later, Robin Black's retirement fight is at this card called Slam One. In like Winnipeg or some shit, No, right? no. It was in Quebec. Okay. Okay. And uh, it's his last career fight. He fought Derek Charbonneau. Mm-hmm. If you look at the card, Ryan Hall was on it. Olivier oh, Obey Mercier was on it. Jeez. <laughs> it was a TriStar setup show. Okay. All the fights were like done in two minutes. Oh, shit. <laughs> All for strap finishes. They, People they just go, coming in to do the job. That's it. <laughs> Robin's fight went to the second round. That, yeah, right, right, right. And that was like, whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was hairy for a second. <laughs> I've been drinking. Right? Yeah. <laughs> a bunch of us have gone to the fights, and uh, they do a <laughs> they do a t-shirt toss for a George St. Pierre signed t-shirt. <laughs> I'm only like 22. No man. way, yeah, right? You and know. I don't even want the t-shirt. You die for no, it. No, they throw it in our general direction. <laughs> I don't even want the shirt. By the way, I don't don't care for it. I have a George St. Pierre signed shirt that yeah. just. I jump up for it. It's in my general direction. I spill <gasps> oh. a full beer on the guy sitting right in front of me. Oh, no. The guy sitting right in front of me, I don't know. But he's sitting next to Roy McDonald. Oh, and, and he's no. His buddy. <laughs> what a way to set an impression, <laughs> <Yeah>. dude. <laughs> no, he didn't, he didn't recognize me from the party. Like, who the fuck is this idiot talking about my pants? Right? Yeah, like, touche. He, he didn't recognize me. But the, all the people that I was with... At the fight, where the people from Fight Network, yeah, they remember the thing at the party, Jeez. and then that was like a big ongoing joke for like the biggest time. Every time Rory would fight, they'd be like, "Oh, if the opponent falls out, Sats can step up," and I'd be like, <laughs> "I'm in." <laughs> no, you know what I'd tell people? I'd be like, "Straight up truth, straight up fucking truth." Yeah. If me and Rory would have fought at that party, yeah. I would have given him a fucking scare, man. Oh, okay. Scare. Whoa. What was this your prime? <laughs> he would have fucking hit me. And then he would have been scared that he had killed me. Too- and then his fucking career is over. Right? Don't fuck so, you so you're like lawsuit waiting to happen or some shit. Yeah, you think I can fight Rory? Okay. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> no fucking chance, man. Okay, okay. I would have looked, looked like him after the Robbie fight with one jab in the face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know, like, my, just to sell my, it. My, sell the shit out of it. Nah, like, come on. Fuck, he would have killed me, right? <laughs> there was no, nothing that could have been gained out of that, man. No Trust way. But He'll anyway. probably just take your back, choke you, I'll put you down, and just leave you. Yeah, but <laughs> but uh, but from then, I'm just I'm just young, dude. I'm I'm young at that time. And no, then, for and sure. Then, and then from there, I get matchmaking with Neil, and I just yeah, like, I've, I've met at this point. I've met a lot of people. Yeah. So I meet him, and I meet him through like they're looking for an opponent for one of his guys, mm-hmm. and then the talks get from there, and then you you link on with another promotion. And the thing with MMA is that you, you you network quick. You meet a lot of people. Oh, yeah. And these people might not hit you up for a year or two because that's the nature of the game, right? Yeah. Like the promotion lost money and they don't have another event. And this guy left that promotion, but two years later, he's working for another promotion and he yeah. hits you up because you did some good work. Yeah. And then that, that, that's that been it since. It's so I'm a lot not of disrespectful like, to people, but like to fighters, I don't yeah, get yeah, yeah. like that anymore, but... But uh, it's it's a just it's a game. It's of a very game. small world though. Like once you really get into the business aspect of it, it does definitely get small. Um, yeah, let me grab you another one because I'm almost done too. It's a small world. That's why, like, even you and I, we work together on a card, and then years later, you hit me up on Twitter, being like, "I'm shooting this juncture," and then oh yeah, a year after that, we're having <laughs> beers, shooting the shit. Like that's yeah. that's reconnecting with somebody. But again, like maybe we end up doing business together. Like maybe this relationship that you thanks this relationship that you make three four years ago, promoting a car, doing a show, we're yeah. handing out flyers in parking lots. You know what I mean? Like, oh, dude, we had to go to a fucking Bellator card in Barrie. Cheers. Um, Yo, who does that? Who hands out flyers for MMA the- <laughs> shows? I've never been to any show before. Or I've never it. had a flyer being like, dude, that was Neil's hustle. That's old school shit. That was Neil like, knows. Neil that's knows. his hustle because like Neil he knows. started off in like early in the nightclub scene, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's that was him. He was that the guy on the corner. Like a charm. Of course, look at him. He's fucking successful as fuck. But um, yeah, no, I love the regional MMA shows. Do you even know how I got started in it? Mm. You have no fucking idea. Like, you just met me through Neil. I met you. You were the general manager at Headrush Gym. And yeah. Neil was just like, yo, we're going to have this card. And Manpreet is going to oversee, like, our fighters. He called you franchise. Franchise is going to exactly. oversee <laughs> our fighters. And he's going to keep all of them on check for their medicals. They're all going to be yeah. ready to be on weight. They're all going to be this and that. And then, like, you oversaw It was so fun. Stuff. Like, it was so fun to do that. It was but the best, man. Um, that card had a lot of studs on it, too, by the way. Yeah, Both for sure. Of them, yeah. Both of them. Uh, the fucking Kyle Nelson and Neilan Hordat fight. That fucking amazing. Story with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, no, I was in college for a music business. My roommate used to help this kid that had, like, uh, he just had a disability, so he was in a wheelchair. And he would always help him get the vending machine stuff because it was just outside of our dorm room. So one day he comes by the room and he like hits me up and uh, my roommate's not there. So I help him. He goes, oh, he told me you're really into the UFC. I'm like, yeah. He goes, oh, I'm in the sports management program. We have the head of PR from UFC coming in. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what are the chances, right? He goes, do you want me to like give you his contact? And I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. I wouldn't mind that. This is me like almost done my music business program. Uh, then hit him up right in time for UFC 129. Where the first time he came to Toronto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right yeah, in time, he yeah. goes, oh, we actually do need volunteers and help just due to the amount of media that's going to be at this event. So would you want to come in? I'm like, fuck yeah, let me know I'm in. I'm totally in. Sure. So then I helped out the PR team for like UFC 129 all fight week, setting up press conferences, doing the weigh-ins and all that type of stuff. That's it sick. was so fucking fun. It was that's so fun because the team is so cool too, right? Like they're genuinely good people, especially the PR team. Um, and then I did 129, I did... One four. And what, so is this is this the first event you've attended? One twenty nine, or did you go to? A I, I, that was my first ever event. Uh, UFC one thirteen. 
Shogun. Yeah, I see Shogun me Machida. too. I didn't even see that. Yeah, oh, yeah. fuck yeah, me That's too. That's why I have to get that dude, poster. Dude, legendary. Dude, Shogun's my fucking favorite. I don't fighter, know if yeah. it's because it was the first <laughs> UFC I'd been to, but yeah. yeah, something special about that. When you KO'd Machida, holy <sighs> fuck, I never. We saw seen. the Machida era end so abruptly. <laughs> yeah, me and my buddies almost got jumped to like some yeah. nightclub, like way way down. <laughs> like the, our ongoing joke on them was like Shogun and like these this other gang of people who are clearly not fight fans. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> they're gonna kick your ass over something. And uh, my one buddy's like Shogun. <laughs> dude like 10 people in the corner like yeah it's so good they yeah. must they must have been fight fans for sure at the Anyways, that was a great atmosphere though yeah it's like 20 on 7 now so it's like you, you make, you <laughs> yeah, make the true. move buddy yeah, that's so true <laughs> but I'm yeah good. dude oh man great times what a no, great show that it was, was definitely fucking sick um yeah and then i met brendan fife you know yeah, brendan fife yeah 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 I met about a fighting series. UFC, exactly. UFC 129 media appreciation dinner or some shit. Uh, open bar, Ryan Bader, Tidor Tees, I think Chuck Liddell was there as well. Um, and it was just like a media event and people were just walking around talking to people. A mingle, I guess. Uh, then I went to the bar, just chilling there, fucking getting a beer. Brandon Fife comes up and talks to me. Completely alone, nobody around him and all that shit. He yeah. goes, oh, you're really into this stuff, right? I'm like, oh, I'm just volunteering. He's like, yo, I'm about to start the score fighting series. Would you want to come and help me out and shit? I'm like... What the fuck? What are the chances that I'm standing exactly where this guy just so happened to spark up of a conversation with it's me? Life, man. Right? Like That's these life. small little fucking things. Like even my roommate, like if he wasn't friends with the kid that had the disability, would I have even gotten into this fucking industry without getting that in? Like I wasn't actively looking for a job with the UFC or anything like that. But the fact that I had that outlet where I'm like, okay, I can get directly to the head of PR of Canada. Let me try this out. And look where the fuck it's fucking taking me. Like, you want to know something crazy? As far as like strange, weird, random coincidences, is like after high school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Knew I liked fights. True. <laughs> was one of the few guys in high school that was into fights at that time. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I graduated in 2008 and just no idea what I wanted to do. Take 2009 off. I, I was working at like a flooring store. My aunt owned it. And I'm just like stocking tiles in the back. <laughs> like, I'm just like, I'm just going to work a regular job. But I'm yeah. trying to think, like, I'm a thinker. Like, what am, what am I going to do here? What do I want to do? And I, and I know I want to do MMA stuff. But like, how do you get into it? And I, and I get a random phone call. Mm -hmm. I pick it up. And it was the dean of admissions from the College of Sports Media. He calls me. For what? I don't know. So, <laughs> what the fuck? I'm in my buddy's garage. And you weren't and I, even expecting I this. I am baked. <laughs> oh, that's oh, the man, worst. I'm like 19. That is the yeah, worst. Right. right. Uh, anyways, I'm baked in my buddy's garage, and then I get this phone call, and it's an unknown number. I don't even answer unknown numbers anymore. I don't do that shit. Fuck but at no. the time, it was like, shit, my modeling crew might take off. <laughs> <laughs> but you just you just don't know what the phone call's about. <laughs> and then that makes it intriguing enough to Now I know what the phone call's about. Some yeah. Nigerian prince is trying to get my money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't answer them anymore but that, i was gullible back then <laughs> so i answer the phone he's like is this cody stopping i'm just like yeah and he's just like oh this is dave lannis and he's like uh i'm with a friend of yours uh this mike mike allen now mike allen was a friend of mine but like we went to elementary school for a few years and then he bailed out because he couldn't speak French. And went to French elementary school. He couldn't learn anything, man. Wow. Oh, yeah. It was tough on him. Poor right? guy. Like, he, can't, he just couldn't understand the material. And yeah. he was a good guy. He was like, he's a buddy of mine. But his, yeah, his parents came to put him in an English school. <laughs> so uh, so anyways, we, we, we get out. And I didn't even know we went to the same high school for like the first two years. Oh, wow. And then we, we it wasn't like when elementary. We were tight in elementary mm -hmm. until he left. And then and then in high school, it was just like, we're, we're buddies. He's buddies with my brother now. Mm-hmm. He went to that school, dropped out after like six months. But during that process, he was there, was like, oh, Cody would like this. Tells the dean of admission for whatever reason and gives him my number. And for whatever reason, the dean calls me. 
I had to go in and do an interview. You had to do an of on-screen course. thing. You had to do a written thing, all that. Uh, but but all the same, he. I always thought it fell on my lap. And my whole life changed after that because I met Paul in college. I met, and I have the show with him Pat. now. I met Pat in college. We ended up living together. The second place I ever lived on my own, like Pat and I, that totally helped launch my career because of the nice. shit that I learned from him. Mm-hmm. And also just doing stuff with DraftKings now, mm-hmm. you know, getting to the fight network, the group of guys that I met there, the opportunities I was presented. Like when I, when I decided, I told Paul, I was like, listen, we just launched fight network is owned by this Anthem sports media mm-hmm. and Anthem sports media had just launched this fantasy sports network. Mm-hmm. So they were only focusing on fantasy sports yeah. and they have no content. Mm-hmm. They're looking for content. Perfect timing. So I tell Paul. So Paul and I and his buddy Kent Carter, super good dude, fight fam. We we, we had contemplated the idea of just doing a podcast for fun. But then it was like, who's going to listen to three dudes they don't know talk about nothing? When was this though exactly? 2013. Okay. So in 2014, I'm like, yo, this this network's launched. They're looking for programming. Why don't we just reformat our show to not be a general topic? We were talking about like, what are the big stories in MMA this week, right? Mm-hmm. It's like by the time the episode airs, people kind of are past that them. shit. And again, they don't care about three people who have n- no brand representing them, don't have any name. We're yeah. not marketing ourselves. We have nothing. So I'm like, let's restructure the show to talk about fantasy MMA and we can use that to put on the network. And then we've got a platform right off the get-go. Yeah. The fantasy <laughs> MMA didn't exist at the time. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. so, so, so I was like, let's just talk about gambling odds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's basically fantasy MMA, right? <laughs> we ran tough contests. We did all really? that shit. Really? Holy yeah. shit. You, 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 you could pick. We would, we would seed all the guys that were going to be on the upcoming season based on, like, who was good and who was bad <laughs> yeah, then, right? Pretty and then much. they would all be salaries, and you would draft guys based on that, and they'd be on your team. Wow. You get points based on, like, if the guy swears, you get a point. If the guy's drinking on camera, you get a point. If the guy's oh, smoking wow. on camera, a ton of points. Jeez. If the guy punches another castmate, you get a ton of points. <laughs> but also, like, if he wins his fight, if he wins his fight by submission, if it wins yeah. by knockout, if he wins by the first That's one. That's crazy, dude. Yeah, all types of things. He gets kicked off the show. That was, like, 150 <laughs> points. You wanted the guy not to yeah. win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to get, get kicked, kicked off, off the fucking show. <laughs> so, so you'd kind of get a couple loons that were yeah. cheap, and you'd try to get a Hit couple that. guys that you were like, you know what? He's probably just going to go and wrestle fuck his way to the finals. <laughs> like, you'd try to get a good balance. But we did all that shit to give yeah. us an ability to go on Fantasy Sports Network. Yeah, and to be classified as fantasy. And after, like, four or five episodes, uh, Paul's buddy Kent was just like, I, you know what? Like, my work schedule gets in the way. I can't study. And they're not having that many shows at the time. But he mm-hmm. was just like, I can't study for nine, ten fights, which is all they were putting on cards, by the way. True. I, I, I can't keep up with it. And mm-hmm. Paul was just like, do you want to do it, you and I? And we say, yeah, okay. And then we contemplated, do we want to call in guys? Because, like, I had this Bellator contact list. Like, mm-hmm. if you've ever fought on a Bellator show, like, I had your number at some point. <laughs> like, I don't know why they provided it. But, That's like, uh, yeah, yeah. So I was always like, okay, we could contact these guys. I had a lot of manager contacts. Yeah. But ultimately, we we just thought, you know what? It's very hard to be like, oh, this guy's available Tuesday at 6 and then try to schedule around that. Where exactly. It's like, we know the time that we want to shoot. Yeah. So we shot. And there's a ton of guys like, I appreciate you giving me the platform and I wish I could have... Daniel Levy, right? I went on his show a few times back in the nice. day. And I used, to, I used to love it and I appreciated him giving me that platform so much because he's a super good guy and I love talking fights with him. Yeah. And I always want to reciprocate that favor and have him on our show. But yeah. we just don't do guests. 
yes. It doesn't. It doesn't need to be that way. I don't like. Right. The, I don't like the delay. If you're going to be skyping somebody, in like if I can, we'll this is why I wanted to do buy. this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I Daniel was on my show like last month uh, for the two forty five card, but like I, I know, I know what you mean. Like the chemistry of having you exactly in front of me rather than waiting on a slight delay through Skype or some shit like that. You just can't build the same chemistry and have the same type of conversation. Like I, I, you might be replying to me right now, and I have no idea, and then it just creates all this like carfuffle in somebody's ears. Like who's going to want to listen to that right that little possible uh fuck up in a production really irks me and which is why i don't really do it i only do it for pay-per-view cards that i'm breaking down strictly to just add a little bit more value to it as well like yeah. to give these guys a platform as well like i had newsom on i had uh daniel levy on but i want to give the even the smaller guys a shine too there are guys that would like you know 500 ish followers or something that aren't that big yet but are good and deserve a little bit of shine so yeah. i want to bring those guys onto my onto my show but i can't fly them out <laughs> i mean like i'm working with a bare minimum budget right now i'm like thankfully i live in toronto though where we have a ton of guys within the industry itself like i have you should i have this computer list on my computer at work yeah have over 50 to 60 people i know i can schedule in throughout this year and i obviously know that some of them are on the table unattainable currently but eventually they will become attainable once sure. i continue to build this platform yeah. so i i know there's a lot of people within the mma industry within toronto that would like to do something like this like that it's let's just have a fucking beer let's you know just chill let's just talk we don't have to talk about the fucking uh blades and jds card coming up because that's what the rest of our week is filled up with right you know what i'm so glad you said that because yeah i'm sick of talking about that shit exactly right? let's like, just fucking let's stuff. reminisce <laughs> fucking scc <laughs> fucking score fighting series let's just reminisce it was that's hard gonna... to promote todd by the way <laughs> jesus, <laughs> christ. <laughs> jesus christ jesus christ it was hard to promote want, that guy do you know the funny thing is i did not know for at least a year and a half of knowing him I'll counter that with you longer. When, no, no, dude. When when I met him the first two times, he was hands down the nicest person I'd ever fucking met right? in my life. Thank you. So exactly. I, I will say on the record, I can't say anything negative about that man. I agree because my experience have been nothing short of absolutely positive. Me and him have plenty of. He has a to dark go. motherfucking past. Yeah. yeah, that can't be ignored. But yeah. I can only speak on like a respect level and Todd Todd's always been a stand yeah. up dude. Like your personal experience with that person. That's kind of exactly how I feel about and it. And I too. live my life like that. Yeah. I know I know to a lot of people that's like, oh what the fuck? What the fuck? Yeah. It's like, ah man, like it's just my theories and my concepts, like, you're a good guy to me. Like, you know, I it's just it's a respect. He's thing, gone right? out of the way to do things for me. Yeah, I, just I as I've done for him. Dude. Like it's when he dude. was when I was working at the gym, I would help him with his medicals and all that shit. Like I would make sure that he has his appointment schedule and all that type of stuff. I was helping him to that extent. And he would show the appreciation and we'd always be chill and stuff, right? If he's never done really anything bad to me, and I still I know I'm gonna get shit for this, but I don't I don't give a fuck. Like yeah. uh, I know what he's done and he I believe he's he's paid his dues. He's had to, you know, serve justice essentially. That's what he did. Um but now he's living in a way that like he just it, it you don't see that in him when you talk to him for even an hour like you have i had no idea for like a year and a half i was like holy shit and, and, you know what yeah. actually brought it to light for me it was pat walsh oh yeah 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 when pat walsh fought yeah, him that one yeah, time yeah. at scc Fucking, right no 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 when fat walsh fought <laughs> that one time. dude what a fight eh? yeah, you can you can youtube that fight go watch it i know it. i know it's so sloppy i was like what holy. the fuck Shit, what a fight, man. That was insane. That was sloppy. That was, and it was so hot in that arena, too. I think you were there for that, right? Walsh took it on, like, six days' notice. And him, oh, it was he, very he short. Took, he took in Luis Felix with him. Luis Felix got banged up. Oh, so Alex Ricci? Yeah. 
Yeah, he couldn't fly out the next day because, like, the pressure from the plane would have oh. caused his, like, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. Attach or something. I remember that. So the doctor's like, you need to chill here for, like, two or three days. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Poor oh, guy. man, those guys are road warriors. That guy was close to making it to the UFC as well. Luis he was Felix. close. He had a couple decent wins. I think he beat, like, Julian Lane. Let me bang, yeah. bro. He CES. fought CES. Yeah. yeah, and actually, he fought in a tournament in Mexico oh. where it's not on his record. But it's like a, a notorious tournament that like these guys all went to Cancun and they fought like three times in three days and he ended up finishing second. Huh? And uh, yeah, like, I don't know. Like he was a total badass. Is it like one of those Super like native guy. reserve type of situations where they have their own commission and like it's like off the books type of event? Is that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah, you remember like, that card Nemesis? And it was out in like... No. Oh, you this don't remember that stuff, eh? Yeah. Well, there's been a bunch of cars that's just like the guys didn't get paid and they went uh, out to some beach resort and they fought out there and like that's the fun. best was Bodog fights because at least they were dude. paying for that trip yeah. to Costa Rica. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> fighting on the beach. On the beach. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh man, <laughs> Bodog was another huge part. That was just why I'm loyal to Bodog, even though they give you the worst fucking line. I know. No, they don't let you live bet. No. You have to have multiple accounts. Like. You can't. You can't only. You work in the system with, over there. No, you can't only be with Bodog because yeah. they limit you in certain so ways. Yeah, but uh, if you look at the Bodog Rewards Program, okay, uh, I fuck. I should bring it up. It's been a long time. If you want to pull it up, your mother will do. Okay, for sure. Um, All right, Bod. That was actually my first ever betting site. Was Bodog, and then I eventually graduated to like Bet Three Six Five, uh, Sport Bet. I kind of use now too. And uh, bookmaker, and mainly Pinnacle though. Pinnacle is the best. Okay, so this is this is one thing that really kills me with Bodog. Oh, I don't know level up your experience. How do I just scroll down? Uh, two fingers. Yeah. Okay. 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 So this is the Bodog Rewards Program. I don't know if the viewers can see that, but anyways, you have you, if you just get an account, they give you a bronze account. Yeah. Once you gamble, you reward, you get points. You win, you get a bunch of points. You lose, they give you a little bit of points. But yeah. you you just the more you play, the more points you get. Once you get to Bodog Silver, mm-hmm. there's three stages of it. Stage one, stage two, stage three. You see how they're giving you back on your sports book there for Bodog 2. Silver? 2.75% back. That's on your losses, right? Mm-hmm. So if you lose $100, they're going to give you $2.75 back. Mm-hmm. doesn't sound like much. But you get to Bodog Silver, then you get to Bodog Gold. Through Bodog Gold, there's three more stages, then you get to Bodog Platinum. Through Bodog Platinum, you go through more stages, you get through Bodog Diamond. Through Bodog Diamond, you go through Bodog Black. To get to Bodog Black, 7. you're getting 7.5% back on your return. You have to have 5 million points. I have 11 million points. <laughs> so it's the it's the Bodog 94 Rewards Club. <laughs> right, right. And and you... the Wait, you do you trade these points in for something or like... Cash, you just hold well, cash back okay. and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. What they give you... they Well, they give you your oh, losses. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you're right. going to collect now 10%. So if you lose $100, you get 10 bucks. It doesn't sound like a lot. But... If you lose five grand, you get $500 back. Touché. Believe me, it's fucking something. Yeah. And I'm not saying I lose five grand. I'm saying I have lost five grand. Yeah. And that $500 is like you can rebuild to five grand for sure. 500 bucks. You can literally, but I'm how, not getting into strategy, but, yeah. <laughs> but, but it's happened once or twice. What I'm yeah. saying is that normally you just take the hit and you're like, fuck it, I'm screwed. But a great rewards program means something, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can... I, I haven't messed around with Bodog outside of when the I like I, that was like really a casual thing for me. Right. That was literally just my casual when I was first ever getting into it. So I just bounced over to Pinnacle and Sportbet. But 
And what ways do they try to like limit you in a sense? Like, how are you even able to get to fucking 11 million points without being like, fuck this book? Like, at a certain point, they're going to start to cut you short. Are they not? This book doesn't. Like, I know people say limits. And the only time I've been limited on shit is when I'm not betting MMA. Like, if I'm betting some weird ass fucking sport because. Interesting. It's three in the morning and I got nothing to do, right? like, <laughs> Some live tennis match in fucking Uruguay or some shit. I don't... Uh, <laughs> tennis is not a sport to bet. Basketball, you're a, you do basketball? That is I not the sport to bet, my man. I, I'm and not I'm doing a too horse bad. racing guy. Horse shame. racing is not the sport to bet, my man. <laughs> you can bet football. Football's an okay sport to bet. Yeah. Hockey's not a sport to bet. Yeah. Uh, soccer. Soccer is a sport to bet. I just can't follow it. That's the only thing. Like, I need to be able to follow it. Basketball I, was kind of my first love before MMA. It's way, and un, I, it's way un, unpredictable. It is, it is, it is, it is. Way too unpredictable. I'm, I'm like pretty and much we bet at fights, even. bro. We bet fights. I know. I'm but pretty much at even. I can get fights over. 71% of the time. I can't get basketball. That's so true. That's so true. I'm working my way back. But um, yeah, no. So, Bodog doesn't really fuck with you that much, eh? Like, in terms of like making it that you can't make money off of it. Because I've only ever heard like they fucking. Limit people. The the only thing I personally, and this because I'm looking at this like a greasy theory. I'm yeah. looking at this like what the fuck is when you're in the Bodog ninety four club, which I am. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to get like concert tickets and fucking <laughs> Super Bowl <laughs> tickets. They don't give you're me shit. Yet. They don't give me zero. Shit. No, and I think I think that's because they look at my account and it's in a positive, right? My mm-hmm. dad's buddy Jack. He loves playing poker. He loves playing blackjack, right? Like they they send him to Leaf games in a limo. Wow. They send him right. The casino does. I have to imagine that's because he's losing. I have to imagine. I, I don't see Touché. you. I don't see you pulling out three grand a month and then them offering you fucking concert tickets. Yeah. And the last, Let me go the see last what my dog's saying is, real quick. Hold on. But oh, continue. the little dog? But you can continue. You can bring him in saying. here. Come in here, buddy. Come on. There you go. As, as, much, as much as it may or may not sound yes. like a flex, though, here's the reality of it, right? <laughs> the most I've ever made in a single year, $17,000, right? Off of MMA betting. Off of... Yeah, okay, well, I'll say MMA betting, but I guess it would be, be betting. Just in betting, betting yeah, in general. Yeah, yeah. Like okay. when, I, when I track my bets all together, that's what it is. But it's... If it's 95% MMA, then let's just say it's 100%. Okay. Right, right. Sure, for sure. <laughs> okay, so, but you're tape studying like 10, 15 hours on these cards. If you're really taking it seriously, you're doing mad tape study. Yeah. You're devoting your life to it. And I think I'm doing it the right way. I think, mm-hmm. I, I believe. You're what dedicating I'm doing. the perfect amount of time. No, no, just, no. just, I'm not, it's my hobby and yeah. I'm making money, right? Touché. But, but I have to recognize that it's my hobby. $17,000 is less than a part-time job would pay you. So a lot of these people that say that they're doing it full-time, they, I I don't know, you'd have to be selling packages, which I don't do, which I'm not, I'm not against, but like, that's just not who I am. Exactly. But but I I fully understand that you have to have a secondary revenue. So if you're making 20 grand in betting and you're also making an extra 20 grand in selling the picks, then $40,000 is a, is, is a full-time job to a lot of people. Yeah. And it's an income to a lot of people. And if you've got a little side hustle and you're making, you know, maybe 60,000, 70,000, then you're, you're good. Right. Mm-hmm. But I, th- that's where I don't get it. It was like, as much as I think, Oh, I've had success. So like, Oh, I've, I've done good. Yeah. It's like the worst year I've had, I've lost 300 bucks. <laughs> and that was like the second year I did it. Yeah. And then since then, you know, it varies, but yeah. it's never gone. It's ne- I've never made 20 grand in a year. There's really only ever been one guy that's kind of got out of it, like living good now, but that's cause he went into crypto. 
is there money in crypto? Do you but, want to talk about that? Hit it at the perfect time. I'm not into crypto. No, but I mean, like, he hit it at the perfect time, cashed out, and now he's just chilling. You know what? Right? When I when I started the show, right, the only guy doing a show, this is straight up. And actually, mad shout out for the second time to my boy Daniel Levy. <laughs> he wasn't all that far after us. Yeah. But the he said only- he hopped around 189. UFC 189 is like the first time he tracked his bets and started actually like doing shit. Yeah, so my, that was, I, I, I should know the exact fight, yeah. night, but it's fight night Abu Dhabi, <laughs> Roy Nelson versus Noguera, stiff, yeah. bro. Yeah. And when I met Noguera in Abu Dhabi, let me tell you, he's still stiff. Not Jeez. mentally, his brain's there, he's a smart man, but like physically, holy fuck, dude. Like- <laughs> you, you, you'd think he has a peck leg. Oh, wow. And I know, it's sad. That's but it's fucked. Like, he put a lot into the sport, though. For sure. I asked yeah. him, I was like, oh, how do you feel? He says he feels great. I says, geez, you know what? Frank Mir is doing these submission underground matches for Chael Sonnen in Oregon. And Chael Sonnen's having Fabio Schneer. He's having a yeah. bunch of OGs coming down and like he spends a little money. Like how badass would Noguera versus Mir 3, but as a grappling match because they're a lot older, how badass would that be? And I asked him, he's like totally down. I'm like, geez, what a great idea. But like ultimately, I bet he is down, but yeah. I bet like anybody around him would be like, bro, he has it's a tag like, Yeah. <laughs> What are, you, what are you asking him if he wants to compete for? Like, yeah. Remember that time he was a kid and he got hit by the bus? Well, it it looks like he just got hit by a bus. Like he's mentally though sharp, and that's for that's sure. important to note as well. That's he's got the money to pay for a new hip. He's yeah, got that's the true, money exactly. To, right? He's working with the UFC as well. He's like an ambassador for them. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff for Fight Pass. Tons of stuff for Fight Pass. If you go on Fight Pass and you really dig deep on it. Um, there's like a whole Portuguese section where there's a lot mm. of Portuguese programming where you can watch obviously Tough Brazil and all that. Yeah, but they'll have a lot of like, like where you see Dan Hardy breaking down some cool thing. That's like their UK division, like yeah. the what is it, Globo and all them. Like they produced a ton of esports, ton, tons of stuff that they they promoted. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he's like one of their big brand ambassadors. I didn't know that he was like that involved still until like I talked to Fernanda because she was the one that told me. Mm. I'm like, oh shit, like she. He's like that involved still with the UFC because you obviously still see him in like the crowd at the events and stuff. But that's, I just always thought I was just like, you know, it's in Brazil. And so he's fucking there. But he actually works with them. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. I've only asked for uh, two pictures. Like since, you know, I told no you the girl? no fanboy thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You cracked two. on it once, twice. I asked for two pictures. That's fine. I asked for his picture. I asked for Mark Coleman's picture. Oh. Yeah. I think because, that's that's because, worth it. Yeah. I think it's worth it. I did my, I, I had one with Sean Shelby. That was one of right. mine that I actually found boy down on. Vanille Silva, obviously. Uh, and then just like the meet and greets, like you go to, I'm sure you've been to them, like the Toronto MMA Expo or like. I went to the dopest meet and greet of all times. Which, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, the, the dopest meet and greet. I think you were at the GSP oh, one, right? No, this, is, this, this smokes out any meet okay, and greet. Okay, okay. This Hit is me. the greatest of all time. Is this it a story a, that you can share? Holy fuck, this is a great story. <laughs> okay, so this guy, AJ Hilliard, right? He's okay. huge. <clears throat> you got to realize I've spent a lot of time in this community in like every facet mm-hmm. and collecting memorabilia. I've also done my fair share <laughs> of that, right? I have a lot of weird shit at my house that yeah. like you couldn't dream of. Jeff Monson broke his leg in an M1 fight against Fedor. I got the cast, right? Like I got stuff like that. How did so, you, how, wait, 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 wait. How the fuck did you get that? eBay or like a hookup? So, <laughs> so quick sidetrack on that, please. <clears throat> How the fuck did you end up with Jeff Monson's cast? So Twitter's pretty new at the time, but essentially Monson says, I just cut the cast off. Whoever, whoever wants the cast can have it. You got to answer a fucking question. What's my favorite hockey team? 
how the fuck would I know? How, how the fuck would anybody know? Only you knew, or did you Google it or some shit? No, I didn't know. So what I did was, Monson's out of Minnesota, wrestled Minnesota, spent a lot of time out of Minnesota. Minnesota Wild weren't a team at the time. True. But the Minnesota North Stars were. The Minnesota North Stars had converted to the Dallas Stars. <laughs> so maybe he's a fan of the Dallas the Stars, Stars, right? If you're an Expos fan, chances are you cheer for the Nationals, Nationals, right? yeah, you're right. Yeah, he's a Dallas Stars. He's a, wow. Yeah, yeah. But I got Johnny Bedford's uh, bloody mouth guard. <laughs> I've got uh, I've got pride, fight-worn pride gloves. Wow. Ishikawa versus Rampage. These are Ishikawa's gloves. And he thought it was a wrestling match, by the way. He thought it was a shoot fight. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got punched a couple times. Yo, he lasted six minutes, and he didn't know it was a fight until he fucking got there. Dude, he must have had some words with fucking Saki Kabara back then. Yeah, crazy, crazy shit. Uh, Yeah, uh, Scott Ferrozo. He was the first pit bull that the UFC ever had. He Mm -hmm. fought Tank Abbott. He was most known for his fight with Tank Abbott. Beat Tank Abbott was kind of being promoted as a local star because he was from Las Vegas. And then he got decimated in 19 seconds by 19-year-old Vitor Belfort, who just machine guns him like really fast. And it was uh, the second fight of a one-night tournament. Vitor takes him out in the finals, right? Mm -hmm. That was his claim to fame. Anyways, the, the whole story here, though, is that the some like marketing director guy at Nike... Is a Scott Ferrozo fan. So he makes a prototypical Team Scott Ferrozo jacket, and it's a Nike jacket. Nike down the one arm, yeah. Team Ferrozo down the other. Fucking original Pitbull, everything like that. Three of them get created. If Scott Ferrozo is 300 pounds, right? And uh, the jacket's like a triple XL. Mm-hmm. I have the jacket. Where this is significant to me is two things. One, this jacket's made in like 97. Mm-hmm. It's the first ever... Nike created UFC item. Prior to that, it's human cockfighting. True. No brand wants anything to do with the UFC. The fact that Nike allowed UFC to be on the same jacket as yeah. Nike at the time, crazy. First one created. It's his jacket. And then remember when the 25th anniversary passed, they did all those, uh, they did 25 documentaries? Yes. Okay, the documentary where they move the events because it gets banned Ferozo and his team are getting on the bus and they're all wearing, and the, the three of them, the three jackets, Ferozo with the big one, loading it on. So there's my authenticity and everything, right? And uh, I got Soka Juice Trunks and he fought Leota Machida. <laughs> like just so much random shit that you collect over the years. Jeez. People give stuff to you, you, you find stuff. Like, I think the only like memorabilia type thing I have is the, the mat for SEC2. I still have that sitting in my garage. Shit, really? Yeah. <laughs> so to get back on track though, right? Yeah. So um, anyways, I meet this guy through the like MMA memorabilia subculture. Cause sometimes you want to know what this shit's worth, right? So you reach out. Anyways, this guy's like, especially at the time, he's like the guy. He's from a mm-hmm. company called MMA Signature. His name's AJ Hillier. Sounds familiar, actually. He does a lot of autograph signings. So he'll bring a guy down, do signings. The guy signs some clubs, the guy signs some autographs, he throws them up on eBay, he sells them on Facebook, whatever. Makes his money that way. So he has this, he decides to fly in a bunch of guys for a signing and then, and, and, and put it at this MMA expo. Right. Mm-hmm. So he has this MMA expo in like Saratoga, New York. Upstate Random New York. city. <laughs> and he's from Pennsylvania. So it's not super far for him. I don't think, but very random city. And he doesn't decide to go get new guys because the new guys cost a lot of money, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you want George St. Pierre, like you're saying, you want George to sign autographs. Man, of course. You're going to pay this guy 10000 15000 You want a lesser guy to pay to sign, sit there and sign autographs. He's paying big money. 
This guy brings in all of the OGs. And by all of the OGs, I mean he brought in Art Davey, right? Who started Holy the UFC. Shit. Okay. Yeah. He brought in Gerard Gordeau. Wow. <laughs> who kicked fucking Taylor Tooley yeah, right in the face. Tooth. His tooth landed his on tooth. Big John's wife's lap. <laughs> or it was the kitchen lady's lap. And she was like, we're betting this. Yeah. Sport for sure. <laughs> Not, and that was the first fight, too. I'm first pretty sure. Fight, first first fight ever. ever fight. Yeah. And he's there. Emmanuel Yarbrough's there. Mm-hmm. Don Fry's there. Dan Severn's there. Wow. And then Joe Riggs is there. Brian Ebersol's there. Like, Jeez. Ebersol. Felice Herrig and Carla Sparza. And that's where I got my infamous fight with Carla Sparza was at that expo. What whoa. a fucking bitch, man. Whoa, whoa, yeah, yeah, whoa. Yeah. Is this common knowledge among the. The people that watch our show know okay, all, yeah. know no, all about please, that. Yeah, please, yeah. catch me up on that. I would like to know about that, actually. If okay, you can, okay. Give me the cliff notes. So Let's get back on track So, then. So I could go to this. This event's got all of the players franchise. All of the players <laughs> are at this fucking convention. I have to go. Yeah. Problem is, I can't fanboy anymore. They told me I wasn't allowed to fanboy. Mm-hmm. So it's like, shit, I work in the industry. So I'm like, shit, I should pitch this to Fight Network. They should pay for me to go down to this expo You're and doing work. interview all these yeah. people. Then I can get media credentials. The other thing is, is I knew AJ Hillier. Mm-hmm. We had interacted. We had done business, right? Yeah. So I was like... The bridge was already there. Can I get media uh, credentials? Yeah. And he's just like, okay. I'm basically <laughs> bringing all these guys in to sign a bunch of shit for me. Yeah. Selling some tickets. But yeah, no problem. So I get a media pass. I'm the only guy with a media pass. And I go down with the cameraman from Fighting Eric, Matt Sargent, and a... You know, he was a fucking one of my good, good buddies, Ryan Donnelly. But we did have a kind of a fall out. I have a lot of love for oh, that kid. But I do regardless, name, but yeah. he's infamous in the community, man. But Ooh. I haven't spoken to him in a long time. But uh, regardless, I have a lot of crazy stories in MMA. And I know he's a part of a big part of my journey. But, yeah, but anyways, that's so kind of how I knew you the, as well. The, the three team. of us rolled to fucking New York. <laughs> And now I've got a media credential, so it's like I'm interviewing Butterbean, you know? <laughs> Butterbean? I bought a razor off him. He does He does handcrafted. Check him out, dude. Legit. Really? He does handcrafted razors. I know guys like us don't really shave all that often, but might need a razor for your balls. You touché, probably gotta touché, clean touché. them up. As long as they're good. <laughs> yeah, no, and he, he'll, he'll go get like birchwood or he'll like hunt an animal, let's say, and use like the, the tusk. And he's all, oh, he handcrafts shit. them all himself. Mm-hmm. And he signs this thing being like handcrafted by Butterbeam, signs it for you. Anyways, he was selling them there because, you know, got to run a little side gig. Yeah, yeah, brought sure. into town. But going back to the whole Asparza Felice Harris <laughs> thing. So That hurts. I always thought Asparza was a nice little cute little, you know. She's redeemed herself in my eyes. I'll tell you why after I finish the story. But I'm there to talk to the OGs. I want to talk to Don Fry. For 20 bucks, you can do a clinch seminar with Don Fry, right? 20 minutes. Only one guy signed up. I wasn't allowed to do it. Not I wasn't allowed to do it. It's just that a part of me was like, again, I can't can't pay. I'm here working. I got credentials on. Can't pay 20 bucks to fucking grapple with Don Fry for 20 minutes. But holy shit, I was envious of the one guy that paid. <laughs> Do you know how fucking awesome that is? You could pay $20 to Dude, grapple with Don Fry? You could have made that a segment too, though. Come oh on. God. That would have been a fire segment. Um, I was wearing jeans. I didn't even know. He just he needed got the money. Clearly. On. That's it was greasy. We've seen worse in the UFC. That's fine. <laughs> so as I'm talking to these guys, a lot of these guys don't got anything new to yeah. add, right? And because Fight Network's heavily involved in like news at the time mm-hmm. they want like talking about t- fight p- sp- specific stuff that we can put on upcoming shows and whatnot yeah, yeah yeah so i'm like okay you know what joanny and jaychek's got an upcoming fight right she can defend her title and she literally her the she had just won the title off as far as like oh. six six months ago okay 
So I go and I ask, is Brian Butler? I'll sh- I'll give a shout out to him because sucker punch. Yeah, because he's probably a really good guy, and a lot of people say he's a really good guy. And I'm not saying he's not a good guy, but my one interaction with him was fucking puss puss shit. Oh right? no, 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 no. But I'm, I bet you he's a good guy. I'll yeah, explain yeah, though for sure. So so I go up to him and I'm just like, hey. Would you mind if I interviewed Carla and Felice? Mind you, everybody else at this expo is by themselves, eh? Like Butterbeam yeah. and Don Fry, like they don't got their managers sitting with them. But these two young ladies do. That's totally fine. No problem there. I go directly to him and ask, mm-hmm. would you mind if I spoke to them? They're both managed by Sucker Punch Entertainment. He's there with them. Okay, no problem. So he says, the one thing is you can't ask about Yuani and Jacek. Oh, Really? So I'm thinking that's soft, but yeah. but it's not post puss. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. it's just soft, right? And you, it takes you said a lot. Six ish months after she lost, you know, it was seven or eight. Well, she was. What it would look at the timeline between when she lost and when Joanna fought next. And yeah, I think it was like eight months. I want. I want to say, but because she fought Jessica Pena after. That's who it was, right? I'm gonna see how long that actually was. Let's see that. So, so anyways, yeah. he says, don't ask about Yuani and Jacek. And you know what? Even though I said it's soft, it's not puss-puss. Because I, I see where he's coming from, eh? Yeah. He's got a man as these chicks on the road. She don't want to talk about Joanna. She got a little bit it of her feelings It was the worst night of her life. Yeah. She don't want to talk about it. Yeah. And she's very much made it clear to him that she does not want to talk about it. And he's telling me, just some random guy he's never met before, don't bring it up. And man to man, I get that. I get that for sure. But I'm doing my job. So I so so I ask him, I ask him, what if I don't bring up the fight whatsoever? Could, but could I get a prediction on how she think Joanna will do oh, no. in the upcoming fight? Yeah. He says yes. Yeah. He says yes. Okay. So now the interview with Esparza starts. He tells me, you're going to interview Esparza. Felice Harry's waiting right here. She's right after. Okay, perfect. No problem. Carla Sparza comes over. She's good mood. She's cheery. We start the interview. She's she's pretty good. Uh, we're talking about like you know the Cookie Monster. Have fans ever given you cookies? And she's oh yeah, you know that's the toughest part. You see them out before the weigh-ins, and they're giving you cookies, and then you gotta you got the, they're sitting there and you weigh in blah blah blah. Like it, it, I thought the interview was going well. She's right? playing the game. She was playing the interview game. Yeah, it was going yeah. good. I thought you know I'm not I'm trying to keep it lighthearted because clearly this girl doesn't want to talk about fights. But uh, let's keep it lighthearted and, and and I get it. Remember when I said that thing earlier? I don't know how much people have been listening to the show, but my dad, the biggest benefit for him is that he was never number one. Yeah. Like in her case, she was number one. Yeah. And that fucked with her, mm-hmm. and it took her a long time to get over that. And this is just the process of her being fresh. I feel maybe worse about it looking back. Yeah. But at the time, it's just like I'm just trying to ask some questions here. So the interview's going well, and then right at the end of the interview, and I'm just like, yeah, so I'm just going to get a couple of predictions out of you. And I'm like, I ask about a couple other fights that are happening right around the same time frame. I think McGregor-Aldo is going on right around the same time frame. like Roughly. Like, uh, McGregor-Aldo would have happened at the end of that year. At the end of the year. Yeah. So I've got a list of big fights that I'm like, okay, in advance, I'm just going to get predictions for the big fights. That the fight now are just news shows, and they're like... Oh, let's ask the pros. James Lynch is the best guy for that now because like he'll have a list oh, yeah. of 30 of them. For sure. But at the time, it was like if you run into a fighter, just get a, a list of predictions. If the fight falls off, whatever. If not, we can you have content. Yeah. So I asked about a few other fights to like butter her up a little bit. And then I'm just like, uh, what about Joanny and Jacek versus... Was it Penny? I'm pretty sure it was Penny. Yeah, Jessica Penny. Yeah, okay. So I'm just like, what about uh, Joanny and Jacek versus Jessica Penny? And she just fucking Heisman Trophy fucking... <laughs> Stone no. fucking cold. Oh, bro. She was in a. She just went from pleasant to 
stone cold, man. So stone cold. So I'm like, okay, wow. I'm just gonna I'm gonna get it back on track. Track, motherfucker, there's no track left. Like she is she Ugh. is the other way. She's sideways. I'm like, okay, this interview's done. So yeah. I, I thank you. Not even a word. So then she walks over to Butler, points at me, says something. He comes over then right after. <laughs> right. I'm standing there like, what the fuck? Yeah. He comes over and he's just like, oh, okay. So it was that good? Was that okay? And I'm just like, yeah, man, that was, that was good. That was okay. So like, we'll do fleece now. And he's like, actually like, uh, we got to go, but blah, blah, we got a bus coming. And I'm just like, ah. and I'm like, it'll only take a couple minutes, man, like five, six minutes. And he's just like, no, no, like the bus is waiting for us. Okay. Manpre, this was the worst sold expo of all time. It was in Syracuse, New York. Nobody, and I mean nobody, showed up. Ouch. Nobody showed up, Ouch. which is why it was one of the best experiences of my life, because I got to hang out with these guys. Yeah, true. Me and Pat Smith fucking smoking. Nice. Really? <laughs> Rest in peace, Pat Smith. Yeah. He passed away. Yeah. Uh, last year, actually. Yeah, that's actually pretty recent. Gerard Gordo looks like he wants to motherfucking fight me. And I didn't take offense because it looked like he wanted to fight everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Gary Goodridge doesn't even remember talking to you 20 yeah, minutes ago. Touche. And he's going over to pick up Mark Coleman. Manuel Yarbrough uh, had a golf cart to yeah. drive him around. Oh, no. Dude, he's 700 wow. pounds. And it late me and you remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to the man. R.I.P. R.I.P. And I had a lot of intimate personal time with those guys yeah. because there was nobody there. Yeah. And, and, and to me, that was cool. And the experience I drew from that. Anyways, like I said, there's nobody there. So when Butler tells me the bus is there outside and waiting... I see them stand there for, dude, it was an hour. It must have been an hour. It must have been an hour. That's so such I know, a dick move. I know Felice is like, wow. me, 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 me. And he was just like, I'm so sick of this bullshit. Oh. And Felice is now, that's her girl. I'm backing yeah. up my girl. This guy's a fucking asshole. Yeah. My thing was, you told me I could ask for a prediction. Yeah. Anyways, I'm sure he's a good guy. I'm sure. <laughs> I like I like, I like, like to tell stories grander than they are. In reality, he's just doing his job as a manager. Exactly. You know. But to us, it, it's significant. Was it plus plus? I don't know. I'll let you be the judge. No. Like, I think, that, I think he should have been a little bit more clear in terms of saying, like, Okay, don't even say it, fucking you on his name. Don't even say it. Don't even say it. Because that was the that that was your f downfall right there. Yeah. So then, right? so then, let me get some uh, drink. Then this it takes a weird ass fucking turn, right? So, I, like two fights later or something, I'm breaking down a Felice or uh, a Carla Esparza fight, yeah. and I mentioned the story on the show. Yeah. Well, don't she fucking show up in the comments? <laughs> <laughs> it was, yes, no yes, way. yeah, yeah. And just calls me out. And she's just like, fuck you. Like, she's like, wait, way to have perspective. You're lucky I gave you any type of interview, asshole. And I'm just like, listen, lady, wow. you know what I mean? I was, if you don't want to be in the spotlight, okay? Yeah. Don't put yourself there. Don't put yourself there. You're a, you're a, I know she's a competitor and this and that. You're a world champion. You won the world title. You're on the ultimate fighter. You got cameras in your face. You won a world title. So what? You lost it. You're a badass bitch. Exactly. You fucking wrestled collegiately at a high level. You're one of the grindiest fighters in the UFC. You are a badass bitch. You don't owe no money, nothing. So the fact that she was soft like that was like, you can be really tough and you can just be really um, insecure on the inside, you know? Like people, maybe maybe the people we look up to like, oh, this person's such a role model and they're so strong and uh, this and that. 
it's like, ah, you know, everyone's dealing with their own thing. So she calls me out in the comment section and we go back and forth. I can't and, believe she actually did that. Yeah, she shouldn't have because it was really good for me, right? Like, wow, well, just because it got, everyone thought it was the greatest thing of all time. You goaded a fighter into... She watched my show. Oh, yeah. She wasn't the main event, buddy. You know, like she watched a half hour of the show or at least I bet you she's the type of person to just skip to her part. She probably watched 10 shows. Touche. But I was the only show that was like, yeah, I met this chick and she's fucking nutso and she didn't want to talk about the loss. And Jeez. But the main thing is if if you look at the run, right? So she loses. She She was on a great fucking run. Oh, yeah. She was on a great run. But that Yun Jacek fight was just yeah, and I thought that Yun Jacek fight kind of broke her a little bit. But then I, I earned mad respect for her afterwards because um, as much as I had one bad interaction with somebody, you're like you can't base, you can't, judge you can't them. no you can't base it all on one interaction. Again, again, I'm just you know we're here shooting shit, telling stories. That's all it is. Um, but I've got so much respect for her fight style and just like the way she gets down and like is it the prettiest style? No. Is she a great striker? No. But it's like. She makes it work. She's a fighter. And there's a yeah. lot of... There, it used to be all fighters. Because yeah. it's like, you used to have to be Jason McDonald or like 40 fights before you made Jeez. the UFC. Joe Dirksen. He fought fucking John Salter the night, that night. Yeah, blew his leg out. Yeah. <laughs> and John Salter's on the cage. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. fuck off, buddy. He yeah. blew his knee out. I hate when people are fucking... Oh, I hate that. I hate that. Like, the, even uh, I was watching it today. Kevin Lee against Michael Chiesa. Remember that, like, quick stoppage? Yeah. And then Kevin Lee's just like, yeah, yeah, just like, fuck, yeah, this is what I'm fucking talking about. I'm like, okay, I get the adrenaline of actually getting the victory and, yeah, double your pay. That's probably another thing that's on his mind. Yeah. Not really in a legitimate victory. You know what I mean? Like, everybody's giving it a little bit of an asterisk because Kiesa did not tap. And I watched it again. Like, I watched the replays again. I'm like, How's, how much of a bad call was it? And it was a really bad call. He didn't really go out. Like, But, but, what, but was he going to get out? But give him that chance. You have to give him the chance. Earlier in the night, I think earlier in the night, they were talking about Justine Kish. It was a bad stoppage. Yeah. But, but was he going to get it? Uh, who knows? That's the thing. You got to give him the chance. I think there was like 20 or 25 seconds left in the round as well. But if I'm Kevin Lee and I've got this guy in a boa constrictor of a rear naked choke and I'm putting him out, right? And yeah, he looks like he might go out, but he, he didn't go out and he didn't tap. And the nope. ref stops it. Nope. As if I'm Kevin Lee, am I bummed out? No, I because because I believe I had the guy. Touche. If I'm John Salter and J- fucking Jason the athlete McDonald just blows his leg out. He had 23 seconds left. He had 23 seconds left to survive. So if he kept working on the hands, heck, yeah, you're right. You're right. right. Listen, like, listen, you gotta let it go on because anything can happen. Exactly. Imagine, imagine Josh Rosenthal stops Carwin Lesnar, changes history, right? Exactly. You gotta let the guy keep fighting to a certain extent. In this case, I, I agree. You agreed no. with uh, Yamasaki for no, this No, time? no, no. This is a terrible no, this call. This is a terrible call. It's a terrible call. But when yeah. I look at calls in high insight, it's like yeah. I always think, oh man, did he blow that call and the other person was fighting still? Did he blow that yeah. call and the other person had a chance? That LFA one, one was yeah, pretty there's bad. Only, there's only 23 seconds. Oh yeah. yeah, you know what? He didn't He didn't go out. He didn't tap. But it's also like, oh man, I kind of felt that night like Kevin Lee was just the better competitor and he, For he, sure. he got the win out. Like I'm not saying that Kiesa was going to go on and win this fight, but he could have had a, a little bit more of a fighting chance than to get shortchanged in this aspect. I was kind of bummed for him at that point because remember all the, the hype going into that fight as well? 
He's like, that's oh, yeah, the whole like, yeah, yeah. don't talk don't about my mama. mama. <laughs> that was great. That was great. That was a great dress up. He's like a fool. He's <laughs> just talking shit at the way. Or, I think yeah, he's wearing conference. like a cheetah print like yeah, headband yeah. or some shit. Someone was like, looks like Jimi Hendrix in one song. And I was like, fuck, it does, <laughs> it man. Does, yeah, actually. It totally does. No, that was a fucking hilarious feud. Um, in terms of uh, like upcoming shit, in terms of uh, like the cards, like the UFC cards, there's nothing really big on the radar that I'm like, like Jones Reyes is coming up and... Eh, you know what I mean? Uh, I'm actually going to try to make the trip out to go to see Ter- Tony Ferguson and Khabib. I really yeah, need to fucking well, see that. It's in Brooklyn. What? So yeah, I'm like, I was going to say, I think a bunch of us are, I know I know a couple of the people from the DraftKings side of things want to organize a trip and go out and... Fuck. Yeah, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure DraftKings is not going to bog me with shit tickets. And you know what? The media, like, I've never covered a UFC on, on like the media row. I've <laughs> I've been comp tickets from the UFC a bunch of times. Me too. And it's, like, <laughs> it's so great. It they're, feels they're, so great. They're good tickets. Like, yeah, exactly. Because yeah. of the media comps, right? But like I've I've gotten like Bellator comps that are such oh, dog shit. Yeah, like, yeah, I've yeah. I've gotten like I've gotten some bad comps before as yeah. well. Um, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> usually for the most part. So I'm thinking they're not going to give DraftKings bad tickets. But I wouldn't think so. I don't know. We'll have to. Wait you should go. You. Like I, I, I'm definitely going to go. Like. I'm 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 getting married in June, so I'm kind of trading it like my bachelor ish party type of thing, uh, making a little bit of a trip. But the card's actually looking pretty good. Like, what is it? Four months out, three months out. It's yeah. pretty still. It's still far out. The way I look at it now is that because I've because I've seen fights and you know that theory like ten thousand hours. You do something for ten thousand hours. Like, I can't imagine I haven't watched ten thousand hour fights. So so the way I go about UFCs now is if it's in Toronto, hundred percent will not yeah. miss it. The Ottawa ones, like I have missed them, and yeah. if it's in Manitoba or if it's out east, like I'm not going all the Canada ones. If it's mm-hmm. in Toronto, I don't miss it. And there's been what six of them, a bunch of them, yeah, right. So so beyond that, if I'm in Vegas and the fights are on, yeah, You're it there. doesn't matter. Nobody could be fighting. It could be the worst card ever. If I'm in You're Vegas and it's on, yeah. I'm gonna be there. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but now I'm looking for generational stars, right? So it was a big thing for me to see Ronda Rosie. I had to see Ronda Rosie because she never came to Toronto. John Jones came to Toronto pile of so many times, so many times. I've seen George York, Pierre. Yeah. He's a generational talent. I've yeah. seen John Jones. He's a generational talent. Ronda Rosie was not a generational talent in terms of actual skills, but there's no denying like her contributions, right? Oh, of course. If it wasn't for her, would we have fucking Holly Holm? Would we have right. Amanda Nunes? You know what I mean? Like, would we have these girls? Right. Probably not. Conor McGregor, generational talent. I've seen him. I've met him. I, I never met Ronda. I never met John Jones. Uh, I met John. That was great. You met John? Yeah. He oh, trained at Grants. People have great stories Dude, about John. For, I have uh, for nothing. Sure. He trained I at Grants. I wish I hung out with He trained John's at Grants the week ones. of the Gus fight because uh, Neil was good friends with Malky. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So he had Shab and fucking what's his face come down yeah. and dude, this is this is a quick little story. I was baked at my friend's house yeah. and I just closed up the gym, went to my friend's house just to chill out. Neil calls me, he goes, "Yo, get to the gym right now." I'm like, "What the fuck? Did I forget something? Is it on fire? Like I'm tripping the fuck out and I'm baked as fuck." Right. right? He goes, "Just get to the gym now." I'm like, uh, "Okay, Neil. Honestly, I am baked as fuck right now. Just tell me, did I do something wrong? Is everything okay?" He goes, "John Jones is here. If you want to come meet him and see him." Come to the gym right now. I'm like, all right. I fucking dipped right away. Were were you there with the Rory McDonald McGregor thing when they went to Head Rush and they grappled? No, no. That was like right after I left. Right after? Right after I left. The the, the guy that took over for me, he got to meet. He has a picture of Connor on his fucking face. I was was so pissed. I was like, damn, I was this close. Rory fucking blew out his meniscus. And then fucking he went on to fight Chad Mendes. One, the blown meniscus. Rory who? Rory McDonald grappled Connor McGregor at Head Rush. <clears throat> fucking blew up. That's where it happens. Yeah, at Head Rush. 
They were just like, oh, let's fuck around. Let's do a little bit of grappling. Roy's way bigger than him, but Roy takes shit seriously, which is why I was glad I never fucking had to deal with it. Holy shit. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? He never, and I always thought this, McGregor never said anything. And then mm. six months after the Mendez fight, in the promotion leading up to the Aldo, Aldo fight, fight yeah. he was like, I beat Chad Mendez with a fucking one leg and shit. Like, he, he alluded wow. to it then. I did not know that. That's fucked. Yeah, apparently. Because they were in town for the world tour. The Aldo, because uh, Robbie Lawler and Rory was on the co-main. Am I correct? Yes. Yes, on yes. 189. Yes. It was, the, it was for 189, and then Aldo dropped out after the conference. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember that. Sorry. And Neil and them picked up Rory from the hospital and drove him to the fucking hotel afterwards. Damn. He was wrecked. He was That's wrecked, wrecked. fucked. You know how fucked up that guy is, though? He's wrecked after the Robbie fight. Face mangled. Rory, yeah. Absolutely destroyed. Now he's, he's found God. Now, because of that beating, <laughs> because of that beating and that beating alone, he's found that's the Lord like, and Savior. I, I kind of believe in the the whole like thing that's out there in terms of like people that are the most religious have the most to hide. I feel like he has something that he's kind of hiding. Okay, okay. You know so, what I mean? so little known movie called Bad to the Bone, starring Antonio Banderas yeah. and Woody Harrelson. Yeah. Okay, Woody Harrelson. They're both journeyman boxers. They get their buddies. They get offered a career, a last career payday on an undercard of a big Vegas fight, and they they drive to the fight together, fight each other at the fight. And Woody Harrelson is brain damaged. Right? Oh he's had too many fights. He's fucked up. And when he gets hit a few times. Jesus appears and <laughs> hangs in the corner. And like Jesus just hangs out next to the ring, right? When he's all fucked up. So it was like I've always I've always thought that was right. So you're telling me that like when he was getting beat by Diego Lima, he was seeing Jesus? Is that what you're saying? It was no no no. It's two two fights before that. So so he loses to Lima. Refresh my memory. He loses to Lima. Right before that, he beat Gracie. And then right before that John Fitch. It was a shit fucking draw against John Fitch. Fitch probably should have yes. won that fight, and I had a Fitch little bit of money on fight. I had a little bit of money on him too. I know. I got <laughs> a push. So, no, I got a push. No, oh, you got a push. I was oh. so happy. How does John Fitch beat oh, yeah, Rory that McDonald? Was a draw. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And the last of Rory McDonald has brain damage, and then I and know then I just took a shot on him. Fight. What was it? Uh, Rory didn't. Fitch before that was Musasi. You got murked by him. The yeah, Diego Lima was a little bit sketchy before that. Paul Daly, he was supposed to beat, and that was his first fight in Bellator. Man, his run is very interesting. And he still wants to fight, too. Well, yeah, I don't think so. He's going to fight for PFL, but I think... Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck, he's on so, so he loses that Robbie fight. And then right after he fights Stephen Thompson. Now, if you remember that fight, okay. He I goes was from, actually there. He goes yeah. from a fight of the year war. Oh, yeah. To, to a, a not And Minari rolls That's all the whole he did. fucking That's fight. That's all he did. But he didn't throw a single punch. And apparently when he got his nose fucked up against Robbie, it like destroyed his septum and he can't really breathe out of it, right? Ugh. So he's unwilling to engage. Now, you UFC, think about it. This guy's the next St. Pierre. He's on a historic run. He gives you the fight of the year. Oh, easily. And then he loses a five-rounder against the man, the future title contender, Stephen Dunn. And you cut him? How does that make any sense? No, no, no. That was the end of his contract. But they didn't resign him, is what I'm saying. No, yeah, true. They they didn't want to give him the money that he felt he deserved. No, because they didn't didn't feel he was worth it either. And you know why they didn't feel that he was worth it? Because they valued him as damaged goods, right? This Uh. guy has taken some shots. If you knew him before, like my interactions with him were before he was fucked. Mm -hmm. And he was fucked. (laughs) So, So now it's like he's a different Rory. So the Paul Daly fight, it's like, Rory beats Paul Daly if he's got bronchitis. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't. It doesn't really. That's matter. what I mean. I, that, that I don't really. Matter. I don't see that win. The there. Lima fight is impressive as shit. Yeah. But if you watch that fight, it's nip tuck. 
It was close, though. It's a close fight. It was close. It's a very close fight. He gets the win over Lima, and Lima is so spectacular as an opponent. Very un- underrated. Highly. He fights for Melodor. Highly, yeah. But it's like, damn, this guy's got all of the skill. As long as his knee's not blown out, because he mm-hmm. fought on a blown out knee for a couple cough, years. I think, right? Yeah, bad, bad news. Yeah. If he's healthy, dude, that guy's a world beater. So now he moves up a weight class, and he gets another thrashing. And then I think at this point... He goes back. To, he reverts back to like I don't want to take the damage, mm-hmm. and that's been the next three fights: the, the John Fitch fight. fight, no damage; the Neiman Gracie fight. He was again, lucky. It was, it was a very was... good style clash. Yeah, Neiman's not a striker. He's not going to hurt me. Exactly. If I end up on top of him, he's going to try to throw and break my arm. That's about yeah, it yeah. Something. We're looking at him getting beat yeah. up here, but like, when has he been submitted? Like, no. you know what I mean? Like, he's a strong enough competitor. If he's on top of you, he's good. I, technically, he got submitted by Carlos Condit. Only because he rolled over and tapped. <laughs> Those, dude, he was getting bombed Touché. out with elbows, man. Heavy elbows. That was a crazy fight. That was a crazy fight. Huge comeback. And then the Douglas Lima fight, he looks like a shell of himself. So what I'm saying yeah. there is, that, like, I think at some point he changes. And it was after the Fitch fight where he goes on interview and he says, I could feel Jesus in there with me tonight. And he was, you know, it, he, he alludes to the fact that, like, I think Helen, that he said he didn't really want to hurt anybody. I didn't want to hurt him. Jesus yeah. has been with me tonight telling me, you know, don't hurt this guy. So that now you know he's completely, weird. he's yeah. done. But then, but so Faraz, who's got a big mouth, comes right to his defense and immediately is like, oh, no, we're good, we're good. Because he's in a million dollar tournament. Yeah. And he's sure. a champ. So the yeah. draw lets him retain the title. Yeah. So he still moves on. Yeah, and, and he he looked like he changed his mindset slightly for the Gracie fight, and then he he had reverted. And then seeing him sign with PFL doesn't excite me because like as much as Rory should roll over on these guys, mm-hmm. it's like it's it's not gonna be like that. Like they're fighting for a million dollars, they're very hungry. There's a lot of hungry guys. He there. was just fighting for a million dollars and showed no urgency whatsoever. So that's not gonna be something he's gonna be able to change. I actually want to see the field that he has to go up against. Have they already announced it? Well, like I'm sure most like of them are going to be coming field. back. Most of them are going to be coming back. That's the that's the only downside about PFL. You're going to get like fucking uh, John, what's his name, John uh, John Howard against Glyco Franca 17 nah, because it's just going to keep fucking fighting wow, each other. They're going to cut a lot of those guys. I uh, see Ray Sepp say something like they're cutting 35 fighters. So it's some of these guys who okay, are probably is, fighting this is, again. This is this is Walter Wade. So straight up, Joe Zafarino is a 55er. He's got a good submission game, but again, not going to submit Rory. Doesn't have mm-hmm. great gas tank. If Rory pulls all of his punches and does go for it, he'd lose his Zafarino. But mm-hmm. I believe he'd beat him. This Magomed Karimov guy, he's just like he's, some he's Russian not bad. Banger. To be honest, he's the kind of guy that could give uh, Rory a lot of trouble. For sure. They've spelled his name right. They wrote Pavlo Mag- Pavel Kush. Oh, Pavel yeah. Kush is a submission fucking machine, yeah. but he's got no chin, like less mm. than no chin. You touch him once he's over with because he doesn't got the wrestling to take down Rory. That's an easy fight for him. Mm-hmm. Ray Cooper. This Decent. is two, three years ago. It's it's minus 800 Rory. Now, minus yeah. 180 Rory remember because Cooper's going to bomb on him. Remember the know? Jake Shields fight the first time? He was like minus whatever, he 1,200 or some him. shit. He killed him twice. And then he knocked out my boy Chris Curtis. Ah. So it's like, this guy's got heat. <laughs> he's got heat and he's throwing. But yeah, <laughs> the rest of the field you is... give a Hawaiian guy yeah. a million dollar payday, he's going to throw. <laughs> he's going to throw for it, for sure. Boyan is awful, but I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something. Boyan Velikovic... such fucking hate, bro. Well, I'm just, there's levels to it. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't hate Boyan. I know, I know, I know. Boyan... Has a very similar style to Rory now. He's not knocking guys out. He's not submitting guys. He's standing at range. He's grappling up against the cage. He's a boring fighter. Yeah. Nobody's high on him. He he is skilled. 
but you're putting him up in a field with against these other guys. I mean, everybody in this field's a black belt. Rick yeah. Story's next. He's a gangster, but he's over the hill. Yeah. He's got way too many injuries. Yuri Villefort, strike force vet, UFC vet. He's been that all over the been place. Around. Perennially. Perennially yeah. overrated. Not a good fighter. Brother's yeah. not a good fighter either. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Weston, the German fighter, not a good fighter. Well, I don't really even. It's recall all relative. That guy. You put him in the German regional scene; he's a good fighter. You put him in a million dollar tournament; he's not good. Jake Shields is a legendary fighter in my eyes, but he's way, way past the over hill. the hill. Way he's past more the over hill. the hill than Rick Story. Yeah, and yet he'd probably beat Rick Story at this stage because Rick Story's shot to bits. Mm-hmm. Abubakar. He's in the UFC. <clears throat> You know what? That one's disappointing. Because he, he should have stayed in the PFL. And he he lost in the PFL, didn't he? Wasn't it like a fluke ass triangle? Check I think he lost record. one. Fight. I might have fucked up the Nurmagomedov because there's a couple of them there. No, 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 no. He lost to David Zawad in the UFC on a triangle. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So, that was a choke job, right? So there. Do, do I think, choke job? Do I think Rory would beat <laughs> Abubakar Nurmagomedov? Probably. Yeah, probably. Okay. So he he does have a decent. Uh, Let's like, say they got. Oh, they Her- have another Toronto is yeah. my boy, but there's yeah. no way in hell Rory loses to him. And Paul yeah. Bradley, another guy, good wrestler, shot. Do they him. have like any? I guess they don't really. Those, have like that a, wasn't their full roster. No, but, I, I, that was just like everybody that competed in the last season. But let's say there's two or like three thing. guys that yeah. can beat him. Yeah. Yeah, there was a time where he would go to PFL and he'd be the best guy by a landslide. Mm-hmm. There was a time he'd go to PFL and he'd be WSF their Kayla, even. He'd be their Kayla Harrison. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's but, true. But now he comes to so this PFL is their current roster. And he apple pie shits you on his second fight for the promotion. <laughs> like, that's that's what we're dealing with here. That's what we're dealing with. Uh, David Mashad. Uh, David Shaw's way too small for him. Chris Sadi Busai can't grapple at all. Nope. <laughs> Andre Filo can't grapple at all. The Franca fight might be interesting, but he is a little smaller. Yeah, Franco's way too small. And yeah. you know what? See that potential violation uh, NAC? That's why he's just, he got suspended. Oh, all the juice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all, 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 all the all juice. All of it. But that last one was the one he gassed out in. And he, and he flagged. And like, I wasn't seeing him gassing. I'll tell you something. Yeah, maybe I'm a fanboy. You are a super fanboy of this Chris guy. Curtis would yeah. fucking give Rory yeah, yeah. All, all the types problems, of shit. I'm all the problems. You, I'm, dude, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I, he would give him all types of shit. Uh, he's, got a style, he's got a style tailor made to deal with Rory McDonald. The only one thing is if it was a five. Yeah. That, if he was well, a five, actually, yeah. I would stick by it. I'd put... I'd put good money on Curtis if it was five. If it was a three, Curtis is a slow ass starter. True, man. true. He he, very very very. But what kind of odds down. would you need on him to even bite the bullet there? Because obviously he's going to be the dog. Yeah. No matter what, he would be the dog. Plus two, two hundred. Plus two hundred, you'd be all right. I know. I know. If the fight got made, I'd be getting two sixty. You know, but I would take two hundred. It's the same thing with. It's uh, a possibility though, because he is coming back, right? It's the same thing with Tristan Connolly. When I had picked that fight on the show, I said I would take it for three to one for yeah. sure. But if you give me if you're gonna give me all the odds in the world you know then i, I think i said i would take it for two and a half to one because i was confident what did it end at 400 or something yeah right? like 450 475 or crazy something. ridiculous i'm so mad at my that one and the rock sad one i'm so mad at myself for not taking those shots you know what the Roxy one's a little bit different right because i think if tristan Connolly fights you know Pereira a bunch of times you know whatever different incomes i get it but like he had the style he had he had the exact path to victory he implored he, he won that fight yeah. The Roxy fight, she probably does win that fight. Probably does win that fight. But there's no discrediting the fact that her opponent blew out her knee. 
Yeah. Right? Touche. So so you can't hopefully say, yeah, that's oh, true. man, I was so fucking on that Roxy yeah, yeah, pick. Yeah. It's like, you you got it. Yeah, and that's yeah. huge, man. She was a huge underdog. For sure. A lot of people were giving her no chance, right? Myself included. Yeah. But there's no denying that, A, Barbara's lost a lot of first rounds. Mm-hmm. And then second and third round are her, her, her two best rounds. Yeah. And the other thing is, I thought, like everybody else, she blew the knee out in the second round when she had that jab and she like fell right on it. But but apparently she blew her knee in the first round. Oh, I thought it was the second round. Yeah, apparently her coaches are saying you can rewatch it in like 10 seconds in or something. She, sits, she steps on Roxanne's foot and apparently you can see it. Uh-huh. I'd have to go review it. I don't know. Yeah. But all I'm saying is that at least that's something where it's like, okay, a variable got thrown into the mix and Roxy capitalized. An unforeseen variable that you right. could not predict. Like so, so people could tell me, oh man, you were fucking wrong on that yeah. one. And it's like, I agree. But Paul and I always say, you know what? Avoid 10 to 1 favorites because the way we put it, banana peel pricing. It's like, what's banana peel pricing? It's like, you could just slip yeah. on a banana peel no, it's and so blow true. your knee out. There's so Greg Hardy against fucking uh, Alan Crowder. Because Another example, hap- right? Yeah, yeah. Just just shit happens, yeah. right? And then, then then it's really hard to be like, oh man, how, how can you how can you deal with that? An eye poke. Oh, geez, the guy's eye poke. You know what's a huge one? This one helped me so much, right? I got Ben Rothwell. How's Ben Rothwell going to lose to Stefan Struve? It's not going to happen. I'm so mad that I didn't take that one either. So I get Ben Rothwell. Great odds, by the way. And Stefan Struve, like, thoroughly outclasses the fat man for two rounds. Yeah. But the dick kick kept fucking... (laughs) If it was Mortal Kombat... That's the banana peel right there, right? Like, half of his life bar was getting (laughs) shot off. They were giving him five, six minutes. And then uh, they convinced him to keep fighting. Yeah, that was the best part. Hey, man. Yeah. Dame Ergliot is like, hey, man. You're you're, up. You're up. So (laughs) why why don't you just... Why don't you just complete two rounds? (laughs) Fuck. And then at this point, Ben Rothwell... I'm who, down a point, maybe two, I think, at this that point. That was the catalyst. And is then that, he's like, all right, I got to go fucking go for as, it. As thick as that man's skull is, he fights like Homer Simpson, right? <laughs> yeah, that's so true. As thick as his skull... At this point, dude, that guy yeah. used to be so badass. Yeah. The father time catches up with him. For sure. When he realized, I probably lost the first round, and I just lost a point, th- then he went I need into, a finish. <laughs> yeah, he went into psycho berserk mode. Yeah. As everybody knows, there's a way to beat stuff. It's true. Yeah, exactly. And, and it worked. But like, how, how could you, if I was if I was on Struve, I would feel sharp. And then I get kicked in the dick. Ah, geez. And then I, I'm still kicking his ass. Then I get kicked in the dick a second time. Ah, geez. And then this guy bum rushes me and I'm not even ready for it because my daddy's got took two massive low blows my guy just took. And then he gets knocked out. Like, I don't I don't feel embarrassed about that. I don't feel like yeah. I wasn't on the money. I feel like, geez, you know, something bad went wrong. So so the barber fight is almost a little bit like that. Like, I don't feel like, oh, man, I really blew that one. It's just like shit happens. I eventually took the over. But Roxy looked good, Not to be bad. honest. Like, they said it at one and a half. They were completely discrediting uh, Roxanne's durability. Like, do you think... She's it, super durable. Do you That's think that, like, done. even if the ACL thing didn't happen, you think it was still would have gone over one and a half rounds? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? For sure. Like, for I, sure. I, I thought they were going to start at two and a half, but they started at one and a half. I'm like, I'm fucking in. Like, why not? You know what I thought? I thought, like, it would be a mercy kill, like a late round mercy kill for Macy Barber. Like, she's on top of her, and it's been two and a half rounds. That's what I mean. She's just smashing her with elbows. And by exactly. the way, she's got nasty elbows. You saw it in small glimpses when she was on top. She mm-hmm. just wasn't on top. Yeah. I truthfully believe she's way too strong for Roxanne to take down. Roxanne takes her down with that trip in the first round. And it was just like, oh, dude, not only did she take her down, but she successfully held her down for like four minutes after yeah, that. Yeah, did damage. Very, very impressive. 
But then hearing the coaches say she blew out her knee right in that first round, like, well, maybe that's the reason she got taken down. And maybe that's the reason she couldn't bridge and get out. Yeah. Maybe that's the reason when she was getting on top, she was getting re-swept, right? Like, yeah. You just don't know. And that's the crazy thing about fights is that and like... so You can't expect those variables, like you said. No, no. Injuries, bad ref calls. Like yeah. we, We've and, been and, on the bad side of that too. Yeah, and basketball is like that in the sense that it's like, oh, geez, but one guy could have a bad night and one other guy could step up, right? Yeah, and that's so true. You, you could have a guy that's having a bad night, but the other team's got an injury. MMA is one-on-one competition. I'll be it's the first really one modern. to say that I feel more comfortable betting MMA than I would NBA. Just for sure. Just based on like the, the constant like changes in the NBA as well. Like you don't know if a certain guy's gonna end up pulling out the last minute and he won't be playing tonight. Yeah, You're expecting yeah, that yeah. guy to be playing to put up the numbers to beat this team. Right? Like that happened recently when we were with fucking uh, Boston Celtics. Kemba Walker just pulls out randomly. And I've already bet them at minus seven and a half, and, and they fucking yeah, lose. Yeah, 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 right? Yeah. But with the uh, with MMA, you obviously know you you I'd say you know about 75% of the story going into the fight based on the fact that there are some fighters that are going into fights injured. And we uh, all know those no, fighters. Oh, I would say 90% of them going in injured is whether the injury is going to affect them or not. Like guys go exactly. in with... I know fighters fighting in the UFC that have a blown meniscus, that have a blown ACL, that, are, still that with it. should have a knee surgery, yeah. but it's just like, eh, it's kind of too expensive and it's going to lay me up for eight months. And what, they'll fight through that shit. What's your perspective on uh, the whole Macy Barber thing and tearing your ACL? So we had the referee obviously going there. I think it was before the third round that they did, or as the third round was starting, they checked out her ACL and he even said it's partially torn, but she's good to go. Should the ref or the doctor have said, okay, don't even bother going on with this fight because you're going to fully tear it? Or is it on the coaches? Like, you, you can't stop the fighter from going out there and potentially getting double their pay. That's what it comes down to at the end of the day. Yeah, they're going to get a W if they continue to go on or the possibility of a W, but it comes down to also like, I'm going to go home with double the money that I'm expecting to get. And that's what I'm trying to live off. I'm a fucking human being at the end of the day. What does it, who was in the wrong there? Was it the coaches? Was it the doctor? Was it the fighter? In terms of now, Macy Barber completely tore her ACL. She's out for nine months now. Yeah, you know what? I'm very much in the category of like, you got to leave it up to the fighter. And if the fighter's mm-hmm. looking at you dead in the eyes and being like, I want to fight. I'm good. Right. Now there's, there's, there's would be some, if the doctor says you're going to create a larger injury and it's going to be a career ender, you're done. If the doctor says this cut's so bad, I can see the skull. You're done. Yeah. If the ref says this guy just detached his retina and if he gets hit a few more times, he'll go blind in the eye, you're done. But anything short of that, the ref's like, yeah, he, he, the doctor says, yeah, he broke his hand, he broke his foot, he broke his leg, but he can still fight and he wants to still fight. Then it comes on to the fighter. The coaches in the corner are there to protect the fighter. So maybe it becomes the coach's duty to this say, hey, listen, you have, you're on one knee. I'm going to throw in the towel. But now you're you're walking a fine line. Most people don't care. Most people mm-hmm. don't care. I consider myself the most of the hardcore, right? Mm-hmm. And to me, the fighter given the opportunity fights through. Because again, I grew up watching Faber fight with no hands. Yeah, that's true. He threw strictly elbows for 12 minutes mm-hmm. because he couldn't throw his hands. Yeah. So that's something I grew up admiring. And then when I see Duke Rufus pull Anthony Pettis because of a broken hand, when I see Duke Rufus pull Anthony Pettis because of broken ribs, mm-hmm. I don't really agree with it, right? Now, Macy Barber blew out her knee, right? Partial tear is partial what tear. diagnosed as. And, and do, you know, do you know it was the same partial tear that Conor McGregor had when he fought Max Holloway? Oh, shit. But he fights through it and he wins the fight, right? And in that third round, well, which was in the third round, Barber's already cut. She has one knee. She's easily down two rounds. Easily down two rounds. 
And there's a moment in the third round, which, by the way, would never work on Roxy because she is a black belt. But she fucking locks her up in a, in a key lock. <laughs> Doesn't work in the UFC. Yeah. But might work in women's MMA. And is like, there's there's a little glimmer where she, like, she gets on top. She's got time to work. She could elbow her. She could get a... There, there's an arm triangle right there. She doesn't, she doesn't pursue it. But it's like, we've seen crazy shit happen, you know? We've seen Paul Craig land a triangle with, with, with a second One left. second like, you, left. You, you've seen yeah, buzzer Yeah, Rodriguez, same shit. Yeah, Yair was probably going to drop a decision, and then he lands a buzzer beater elbow. Like, you, you see this all the time where it's like, fuck. Rich, How many times do you bet on a guy? You're up two or nothing. Yeah. And you're, oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, I And mean, then it's just like, something happens, and you're like, yeah. oh my god. I, I, Sorry, Rich Franklin and Chuck Liddell. Remember Rich Franklin broke his arm and yeah, still knocked yeah, him out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and he's cowarding yeah. away. Yeah. Chuck's bombing on yeah. him. And, and he throws back. It. You know why? And then he Rich follows up with the fucking the broken arm too. After when he drops him, because Rich is a fighter. Yeah. And, and I've seen and I, I've uh, seen one of my first loves too is like I love boxing and love kickboxing. And it's like these. It's not. It's not uncommon for you guys to break something and fight through. Boxing, they'll quit a lot of the time because what happens is you only have two weapons. So yeah. If you break your hand, chances are now Floyd broke his hand a pile of times. Yeah. He's so defensive he can get away with just the jab. But with a lot of these guys, you break a hand, you're in trouble. With kickboxing though, you break a hand, you break a foot all the time. In Muay Thai, it's like you got eight weapons here, so you throw them yeah. all. So I don't fully. So with the barber thing, is they gave her the opportunity. If they if they just wave that fight off after two, the fans are booing. Oh, you fucking quit! Oh, you quit! If they let her go, she goes out with some dignity. Mm. But she shot herself in the foot by grabbing the microphone. That was fucked up. It was fucking. Stupid, that was. Mm. I'm not riding the wave. I said that live. I was no. like, what the fuck? Yeah, that was doing? stupid. That was. I was very like, whoa. And I'm glad Ariel kind of pressed Roxanne for that afterwards. I don't know if you saw her interview with mm-hmm. Roxanne. And Roxanne was like, yeah, I thought that was a little bit weird too. Um, but so so you're not blaming anybody in particular. You're you're respecting Barber after all of this. I'm respecting Barber. Do you want to know what MMA is to me? What it's always been to me right from the time that I first watched it? How long is a regular fight? 15 minutes? Yeah. Three rounds. Three rounds. 15 minutes. And I like pride rounds, the 10 minute and then the five. I like yeah. that a lot better. But let's just say regardless, they're both 15 minutes. If someone broke into your house and call, and you called the cops and they attacked you, how long is the cop going to take to get there? About 15, 20 minutes. So Could you defend yourself for 15, 20 minutes? I don't, I don't care about winning a prize fight. I don't care. My whole training, my whole thing was if somebody breaks into my house, mind you, if he's got a fucking knife or a gun or a bat, I'm probably fucked. Yeah. But I, I, at least I'd be better suited to deal with it than if I had no training. Yeah. And if the guy breaks in and is one-on-one, which, again, it probably wouldn't be. But could I survive for 15 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Is my jiu-jitsu good enough? Is my Muay Thai good enough? Could I just... Would I, would I box this guy from the outside? Would I take him down? What, what would I do? Would I take him down and subdue him and wait for the cost? Would I just choke him out and fucking tie him out? Like, like... But could you defend yourself for 15 minutes? And there's a lot of people that can't do anything for 15 minutes. Yeah, that's they true. can't play pickup basketball for 15 no. minutes. They can't run for 15 minutes. They can't fuck for 15 minutes. That's true. But they're going to defend themselves for 15 minutes? Now, in Barbara's case, it, I know this just sounds so rudimentary, but it's like, would she have told her attacker, I blew my, out my knee? <laughs> Time out. Time out. <laughs> or would she have gritted and fought through? Yeah, that's true. And remember how I said there was earlier, I said there's there's guys, they're fighters. Mm-hmm. The, the journeymen, they're fighters. And there's a lot of people in the UFC that are athletes, but they're not fighters. Yeah. Macy Barber looked like an idiot for grabbing the mic. Macy True. Barber looked very stupid for losing as a 10 to 1 favorite. Yeah. Macy Barber did gain my respect for, for fighting, fighting through to it. the decision. Yeah. To the decision. And you know something, Manpreet? If they would have gone another round, she would have fought that round too. 
Probably, because she yeah, was yeah. game. Yeah, she had yeah. one leg and she was game to continue. She knew the amount of pressure that was that on her means, too. That, that means something to me. And so yeah. I, I, I give her respect for that for sure. And where I say whose fault was it, I don't think it's anybody's fault. They, they left it up to her yeah. and said that the doctor said it's okay. Yeah. That's the main thing. He's the fucking professional. If he Touché. says this cut on your head's too bad, I don't care what your attitude is. Uh I like, don't should think- should he have added like, okay, if you fully tear this, you're out nine months? Like what if he said that to her? Would that have changed her mind? Right? Like I, you I, must go into that next round thinking, okay, I I'm think, probably going to fully tear this if I try to fight this. Yeah, well, I think I think if you thought it, as a as a physician or as a doctor, if you were looking at it and you were like, okay, it's torn. If she goes out and fights, it's going to tear right off the bone. Yeah. She's going to be out nine months. Then I think you 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 make that a thing. Hey, listen, she can fight through. Yeah, but if she does fight through. She's going to be off a year. But I also look at situations, right? I look at situations like, oh man, early stoppage, early stoppage. An early stoppage uh, in a prelim fight is is cool. Yeah. An early stoppage in a main card fight, I'm not in with. Mm-hmm. Them stopping the Usman and Covington fight is not cool with me. Usman would have won the decision, and he rightfully so did win the fight. But a guy fights for 24 and a half minutes to his fucking heart out. He's a warrior. He fights to his heart out. And with 30 seconds left, he gets clipped. First time in the fight, he seriously got stung. He's up. He's back down. He's not out. He's still moving. You jump in after 24 and a half minutes of this guy pouring his fight. He would have lost. And, that, and, that's, and that's okay. And I know the pundits will say, Cody, you are a fucking idiot. You yeah. got to think about the athlete. And you their health about, and all that shit. Right, yeah. right, right. But this wasn't a prelim fight. This wasn't Colby's second fight in the UFC. This was a world This was the pinnacle of his career. fight. Yeah. It was the highest level. And you don't know how that fight was scored. Because mm-hmm. even though Usman would have won, when yeah. we saw the scorecards, hey, what a close fucking fight. Right. right. That was a close fight. I'm so it glad it's fight. close so that we can sell it again. It but was continue. A close fight. Absolutely. It was a great yeah. fight. And I'd love to see it again. I don't want to see it right away. I'd no, like no, to no, see no. Usman fight somebody in the interim. Yeah. Colby, he took he took a lot of damage. And, th- and there's the other thing. Yes, I fully recognize the athlete did take a lot of damage. And then they need to take the proper time to recoup. Mm-hmm. And I also think it's situational. And not only do I stop a prelim fight a lot sooner than I stop a world championship fight, but I stop a 39-year-old fighter from blowing out his knee all the way a lot more than I stop a 21-year-old Macy Barber from tearing her blood. That's knee. so true. She's going to be okay. She's, she's, she's young as fuck. I'll tell you she's something. Good. Blessing in disguise. Because she's still very green. She's still very young. And she's got this mentality of like, youngest world champion, youngest world champion. And, and her, so and, down, and, and her corner's pumping her up. Yeah. It's pumping her up. And if you know Macy Barber, she got her start under Ryan Schultz, right? Yeah. A lot of people don't know Ryan the Lion. But Ryan the Lion, oh, Ryan former the Lion. International Fight League That's IFL crazy. champion. Smash yeah. Horadeki. Ooh, he smashed Horadeki good. <laughs> that guy was like the quintessential grinder up until he went to Sengoku and lost his chin he was the fucking man yeah he runs a camp out of fort worth collins colorado and uh yeah 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 that's where she started she was a great grinder mm-hmm. then she spent a little time with factory x muay thai geez look at them they're on a yeah. great run they're mark doing Montoya some and those guys mark Montoya is the man they're, they're doing some it. great things there yeah and then somewhere along the line she decides i need to fuck my wrestling fuck my grappling I'm going to go to Rufus Sport in a That was a weird move for her, in my opinion. We're going to continue this in a minute. I need to hit the washroom so fucking bad. I'm glad you said that. I got to... Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Go fair first? enough. Go for it. I'm convinced that's the longest piss I've ever taken. You down for one more shot? Yeah. We'll do yeah, 20 yeah. more minutes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds good. Might as well.
Jeez. Uh, we were talking about fucking Ryan Schultz earlier because of Macy Barber. Uh, what am I looking for? Oh, I just, um, so it's safe to say that you kind of look down upon Anthony Pettis. Because there's been numerous times in yeah, the where know. he's like... I know, I know. And that's why I bet heavy on fucking uh, Diego Fajeda. I was like, that's that's the reasoning I made lock of the night. I know lock is like the worst term that you can ever use in gambling. <laughs> and I don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like that's that's kind of the brand that I was trying to build build around it. But Diego Fajeda was, was kind of like the definition of a lock at decent odds. Minus 227. You know what? Yeah, he, he was a lock. See... I said on our show, I was like, Yusuf to me is the lock. But what? But but watching that fight is like that was far from a lock. Like he he the first two rounds were competitive. I thought he won. I thought he did win that fight. The first two rounds were competitive, and he fucking lost the third for sure. Dude, he took it off just like Tim Elliott did in his fucking. If I would ask Rob as well. Yeah, and like the Elliot really fight, I was like, oh man, I got like I got money on Askarov here, and I got him on one forty, so I'm like super happy about it. Yeah. But I had yeah, uh, I had Elliot on DraftKings, so yeah. I was like, I'm kind of in a rock and a hard place here. I want yeah. Elliot to score takedowns. I just don't want him to hold him down for very long. Right? Exactly. Yeah. I need Askarov to get back up and win. Yeah. And then yeah, sure enough, it's just like oh okay. But in the case with Pettis, it's like it's not that I don't respect the guy. It's that a largely his career has been based on like a couple flashy moments. Yeah. And outside of that, like when he was at his peak, man, he like traveled around with the. Oh, yeah. that? No, that's fine. When, when he was at his peak, he was like rolling around with you know a private barber and stuff, getting his haircut like every other day. Like he was yeah. a pretty boy, like oh Showtime Pettis, and yeah, he was his little brother Sergio. And I seen Sergio fight one time uh, before he made it to the UFC. He yeah, fought, he uh, fought in Canada. Yeah, <laughs> he yeah, fought yeah. Calvin, yeah. dude. Yeah, I actually <laughs> smoked with the guy one time. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, <laughs> I was one of. The, I think it was a score fighting stress card. Who? Did, no, Rec Rec MMA. He fought on Rec MMA against Jordan Preston. I think was the guy's name. And uh, yeah, afterwards he's like, yo, I have my medicinal license this is like 2012 2013 or some shit he goes i have my medicinal license this is fucking burn this shit i'm like okay cool this guy has like a dislocated hip like he is like the the guy that's always wanted to be an mma star but just definitely did not have any nah, of the man, talents for so, it so we we smoked a bunch of cigs with fucking <laughs> oh, really? you're right right and so 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 punch in sure dog right and go go kyle vivian right sure dog right and then and then you'll notice that he was on that slam one card i was telling you oh about. yeah and then and then you you tell me who he, he fought sergio fought. obviously right no no he fought him on cfc on that on that slam one card <laughs> like, like this guy. He was the guy that came in to do the work. Six. He was 0 5 or 0 6 when he fought it. Jason Sago. Oh, no, no. Who's who? Jeff Harrison, Crew Jeff, is is a total badass. He's got a bad record. Total badass out of Ottawa. The fucking yeah. man. Jason Sago made the UFC. Tyler Hadcastle, he, he was terrible. He was a hockey scrapper. Yep. I think he was 1 and 1 finished his career. Sergio made the UFC. Alex Halkius, fucking brown belt BJJ, uh, he had knee issues as well, but he was he was super tough. So Hobby made the UFC, and I, I don't know the other two. Don't guys. Know at the least they tried to get him a win. But <laughs> this one I was out. at, I worked this event, the Jordan Preston one. Did Preston go on to anything after that? Uh, let's see what he's done. One and yeah, that was his only win. Dude, I think he, I, he pulled the card. That'd be me. That'd be me. You see what I mean? I come in, I <laughs> take my one like He's got six fights, bro. He's seasoned. Seven fights. Seven He's got fights, seven actually. fights, bro. This is no joke of opponent, man. He's done the dance seven and fucking yo, times. He was Win, so small, walk too. Away. Walk away. Oh, oh dude, they don't have like the height. Five foot five. Cal- five foot five, 135. No, Carl Vivian, he was much smaller than that. Say, he's tiny. 
five five four. Four. Okay, yeah. he just looked like, like <laughs> No dude, he looks ripped in that picture. You should see him afterwards. He got he got big big Dude, he, he took the fight on super short notice, so like literally yeah. day before Wayans against Jordan Preston. You know, I'll Kyle Vivian Kyle Vivian runs a gym up in Aurelia, actually. And like they don't have any notable students or anything like that, but like he's he's a career committed guy. Like, yeah. He 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 corners these amateur fighters at all these different shows, and like he goes around. And he fought Kyle Nelson. Oh no, this sorry, is this, is, this is sorry. How is Have yeah. you heard of this kid before? Yeah, yeah, I dealt yeah. with him before. Yeah, he blew nice. out his knee. That was the end of him. That, see, see, before that, he beat uh, Bayrang Yusefi. Right? That guy's doing on some big yeah, things too. Tons of fights. He fights for Unified. I think he's got a Bellator fight actually. I think seven. he did fight for Bellator as well. You see, Unified, Unified World Series of Fighting Bellator. Yeah, well, yeah. that was probably like a local event. I helped him get the fight actually because he see, see Bellator yeah. 119 was like Casino Rama. I think uh, Vanya Vojvodic was on that one too. That was a Grand Sky, I think. Pretty sh- there was a bunch of local guys sure. that got the show. See, what happened was is that they Chris Hordesky, remember Brian Rogers, Jason Meisel was a local Canadian guy, Malcolm Gordon, Chris Kal- That was a big fight at that time. Malcolm Gordon against Chris Kalidas, who also made it to the UFC for a little bit as well. That was a big fight between them at the time because what Malcolm was four and zero going into that fight, and Chris Claytus was six and zero going into that fight. So here's the story for you, right? I tried to book Chris Claytus against Adrian Woolley for Substance Cage Combat, and Ken Hayashi was the commissioner in Ontario at the time. He tells me, looks me down in the eyes, he tells me it's a non-competitive fight. Adrian Woolley shouldn't be fighting Chris Claytus, right? Oh, wiener dude, is he throwing up? Oh, and my dog does it all the time, so I'm kind of no Are you kidding me? No, my wiener dog fucking pukes all the time. Oh, okay, I don't know why. Thank God. Not puke. They dry oh. heave for Oh, no okay. Reason. That's fine. That, no, that's like the, one of the first times breed. I've ever heard it. Oh, yeah? The no. only time I've ever heard it is when he puked. And that was like months ago, though, because we fed him too quickly. Yeah, mind you, my dog's 15, but oh, <laughs> he's four. She does, she does that shit all the time. I've had him since like September. That's so, it. So yeah, Hayashi sorry. says... Yeah. Wooly versus Kalaitis is non-competitive. And, and and you know why he says that? If you look at Chris Kalaitis and you click the record, this is the only thing that I can agree that Hayashi maybe wasn't totally off on. I feel like he's going to puke. He just got full kibbles. <laughs> you know what? Wiener dog's problems is they eat everything. They don't chew. They yeah. engulf. <laughs> if you look at his first couple fights. 14 and 5. Jeez, he went on Oh, dude, a he's lot. a former M1 champ. He's the fucking man. Huh. Chris Kalaitis has had a great career, all things considered. But when he starts his career, he's fighting on the local uh, East Coast Canada scene, and it's a very soft scene. Dimitri Wardenberg. He won a split. That is a motherfucker, too, right there. But see, Justin Seal, two and three. Chance Whalen, two and three, right? Vincent mm-hmm. Cormier, 0 oh and 0. Oh. Rick Doyle, 0 oh and 1. Oh, yeah. So I tried to book him for C, Wooly, right? Mind oh. you, here's what happened. C, canceled bout. See that? Canceled bout. Right this before, one, right? Right before he you. fought Rick Doyle, right? That's us. That's, we tried to set, see, he's on the ECC card. We tried to set up the fight, and Hayashi said, no, it's non-competitive. So they agreed to take the fight on themselves, right? And what ends up happening is Bellator comes to chance. It's Bjorn Rebney at the time. It's not Scott Coker. It's yeah. right before the sale. It was like maybe a year before the sale. Mm-hmm. So their original matchmaker, he doesn't know what he's doing here. He's like, I need fighters. That's why he contacted us. It was like, who can we get? And because they weren't going to allow us to use Chris Kalaitis, Clays is from the East Coast. We yeah. were using him to fight Wooly. Yeah. Wooly was local. Wooly yeah. had to be on our card. Chris didn't. When they canceled the fight, Chris ends up getting the Bellator fight versus Malcolm Gordon, right? And then not only does he fight Gordon and Bellator, he gets the Wooly fight, beats Wooly, and that's the fight that puts him in the UFC. So you have that was a commissioner. A crazy fight, too. A commissioner yeah. tells you this is a non competitive fight, and six months later, the guys fight. It's a split decision win for the guy you said was non-competitive. 
and it projects him into the UFC where he beats Patty, Patty Hollihan in his UFC debut. Ends up getting like five UFC fights, fights for LFA, fights for M1, wins the M1 title. Yep. Like a very, very tough individual. And here the commission is telling me that it's a non-competitive fight. So I, He I was never... highly touted at that time too. Like I remember when we were trying to book that fight that like Cletus was the shit out of the East Coast. Well, the rumor was where everywhere it was like Adrian Woolley at 125 would be unstoppable because 125 didn't exist. He was a badass uh, at 135, he just, but he's so small. Didn't he just get into it too late as well? Way too late. He's a full time. Oh, 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 this, this, this is the best story. Jeez. Look at his age. Look at his age. Look at his age. He's 37. Right, right. Click on his shirt. Dog. Does it say that too? Oh, are you telling me that it's different? Oh, dude, he's like 47 years old. Are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no joke. No, no joke. way. I know. People always laugh when I tell that about Russian fighters, like they're forging it. I bet you yeah. Sherdog says 37 as well. I bet you Sherdog, because that's what that's where we did it first. We put it on Sherdog. And it Tapology didn't know. So I bet you they probably just followed suit with Sherdog. Let's see. You're thinking that I was going to say 47? No, I'm going to say 37 on there. Okay. Now just do a quick thing. Go to Tapology. By the way, if you ever want to get to Sherdog, see, just scroll up. See, there's a Sherdog link right there for him. Oh, the sick. Okay. But click I on the one over that. it. That's a, that's a UG yet. See if, see if they've got it listed. <laughs> oh, they took oh. it off. They took oh, it off. Oh, that's a bitch. Yeah, anyways, he's he's super cool with it now because he knows like MMA is done for him. But he's at not the time, anymore, yeah. the UFC wasn't going to take on a 40-year-old man. Of course not. So oh, we, we said he's only a 32-year-old man to get him in. But when he lost... To Kalaitis. When he lost to Kalaitis, it set him back. They tried to rebuild him really quick. You know, he wins the fight with Eric Wilson, but at this point, it's, it's done. And then Sherbatov just smokes him out 34 seconds. And, then and, and if you've seen that fight, like yeah. it was a nasty knockout. Yeah. And he's a, he's a very, very, very high ranking police officer. I know. Like, he like, actually helped me out with a ticket before. <laughs> he's, the, he's the man. Because he, he fought on S. Yeah, he fought on SCC2. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of where I got close with him because I was giving him tickets and all that shit, right? To to give to his friends. Uh, yeah, I barely I barely remember this guy, Jameson Sodino. Let's see oh, what Jason he's up Sardino's to. Jameson Sodino's a bastard. Oh no, no, What's he, 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 to he, yeah, he just came Nine back out of retirement, and he's fighting on Fight Pass for uh, XFC. Extreme. Wow. Uh, uh, Extreme Fight Night. Yeah. Oh yeah, he had a three year layoff. Wow. Yeah. See, he fought once against Aaron Eli for Bellator right yep. after we used him, and then he took a three-year layoff, and wow. then he just came back uh, recently. That I, Jimmy Flick fight, he's putting it on him, and then he yeah. got fucking caught in his shoulder lock. Do you remember this uh, Eric Wilson fight? This the, the one that got canceled. No wait, they got canceled a couple times. Yeah, didn't when they? he got beat up by a fucking That's billiard the- ball. <laughs> what the fuck, man? How do you get assaulted by I a that. billiard ball? Yeah, right I remember the real title. Fight. <laughs> What the fuck? Wasn't it like the weigh-in day or some shit? No, it, it was, was the, like a, It was the night before the fight, and oh he said he said he's hanging out at the local bar. I don't know why it's the night before a title fight, and he says this local like this crackhead comes up to him and asks him for a smoke, and he's like, "No, I don't smoke." And the guy decks him in the face with a with an eight ball or a that was it was, it was nuts, a cue ball or something in a sock. <laughs> Yes, no yes, yes. No that was all them. over like top MMA news at the time. I yeah, think that's yeah. how I pretty much knew about it Eric as well. Eric Wilson's tough. He's got a For bad sure. record, but he's he's a total gangster. He like, was willing, actually one of the bigger willing like, to fight. Guys. So everyone said he hit himself Damn. with the ball. Yeah, and that's Are why he wanted. Out. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't he know, wanted man. out of that fight. Nah, I think he's tough. Well, he I lost to Luis Sandukis, who's doing big shit. Chad Ellinger, Adam Burke McDougal's pretty decent out east. If you go down, I think he fought some other pretty decent guys. Stefan Peltier was the man. Tyler Davis had a good record. He was terrible though. Mike Josh Davis, Hill. Mike Davis is a beast. Josh too. Hill, John Fraser, Roland oh, DeLorme, John Fraser. Roland DeLorme, and Roland DeLorme went to yeah. the UFC. 
John Fraser was a motherfucker too. The Haggis Basher. Yeah, yeah dude. Right? We had a we had dude. <laughs> he was when he, he fought, was good uh, too. Who did he fight? Tyler Toner. He fought Tyler Toner as WC a co-main event. No, vet. no, that was a score yeah. fighting series. No, I know, but Tyler Toner oh. was a WC vet. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, I thought you meant it was about. Uh, that was the co-main event. The main event was Chris Rodesky against Brian Campbell, I think was the guy. But everybody was only there for John Fraser. So everybody left after John Fraser fought. Dude, that happened. That, that was in happened, Sudbury. That happened at Or oh, uh, yeah. Sault Ste. Marie. Sud- no, 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 it was Sudbury. It was Sudbury. Sudbury, Sudbury. Uh, it was somewhere, some random ass place yeah, where I clearly like, wasn't uh, welcome. But Chris Hordecki Chris <laughs> fought Brad Cardinal or something and, like that. Brad and the it was like a cut stoppage. There was a cut stoppage, yeah. for Cardinal. And I'm pretty certain that was one of the first ones that they did live on the channel as well so they needed the timing to that go was quickly the, i think that was the access tv access tv it was the second ever mma fight in ontario that went up in sudbury yeah um but yeah but but I, there was another fun fight uh tony hervey against jorge or george brito you know george brito from uh yeah george brito. toronto BJJ, bjj yeah, 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 yeah. No, um, he, dude he's the man he's an excellent coach they, excellent black belt they fucked up his uh entrance for that too and they're they're so short on time but the guy was just jamming out tony hervey was just jamming out to his walkout music and they're just telling me like yo hurry up hurry up you got to keep it up there the fucking okay so so you were there right yeah i was okay, working so, that so, event so so you'll remember this day George Brito's kicking his fucking ass and breaks yes, his arm. Yes, yes, he breaks yes, his yes. arm. And yeah, Tony Hervey's yeah. like, yeah. man, that was all part of the game plan. That's his, his post-fight interview. He's like, all part of the game plan. Yep. I knew he'd hurt himself yep. eventually. Yep. Everyone's booing. Like, you that fucking was a crazy idiot. Card. Get out of here. Dude, Sergey Yuskevich, what the fuck is up with that, leg dude? Lock, leg lock. Mr. Master, leg lock. Dude. 15, yeah, 8, and well, 2. Well, when you fight like Husman Pajares. Ah. Uh, I think Cody Wilson was injuries. his last fight. Damn. Yeah, and I thought Cody Wilson would be okay, but he never really panned out after that. No. Joel Powell, he ended up passing away. Brent Dewsbury. Brent Dewsbury. I dude, remember he's like that was guy. 15 2 1, 15 3 15 3 and, and, and 1. And then just goes to college. Like, just bails out. Oh, but shit. See, how he canceled both this year. He's going to come back. See, he's been, not, he's been off four years. Teddy Ash. That's going to fight Teddy Ash. But dude, now okay, he, hopefully he comes back. How old is he, though? 20, yeah, 29. 29. That's yeah. not bad. The problem is he's a career welterweight, and Ash fights at 85 and 205. So it's like, has he just grown now that he's like a man? Like He's older. He's been off four years. He, he, I think he was like Jordan Meehan's main training partner or something, right? Think about it. He's 29 now. He's yeah. been off four years. So he walks away at 25. He's 15 and 3. Yeah, that's he's a ridiculous a, he's record. He's on a seven-fight winning streak. Yeah. Lost like, to Ryan Di- Ryan Dixon, another one that I'm wondering where the fuck disappeared to. Well, he took some shots. I ran into him the other day, actually. He worked kind of like security at this place in Hamilton, and mm-hmm. super good dude. Uh, he says he's looking to make a comeback. His problem is that he took a string of bad fights in a small amount of time. It all started with... Uh, it, it wasn't Fisher. E- it wasn't even the Fisher fight. Say, see, go back to CJ Marsh. CJ Marsh is 3-4, and four, and he beats CJ Marsh. But he fucking got tagged early really bad. Oh, yeah. So now you move on three fights later, Dave Mazzani. Dave Mazzani's Gina Mazzani's older brother. Yep, Gina Mazzani yep. fights in Danger. 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 Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and he's a badass. He does a little pro wrestling now, but he's tough. He beats the shit out of Ryan Dixon, and then Ryan Dixon KOs him early in the second round. It's one of Ryan Dixon's only, he KO'd the guy smooth, right? Yeah. So after that, he relies on his striking. Fisher bangs him up, and the Fisher fight, see, expanded. I'm pretty sure it's five rounds. Five-round title fight. Yeah, you're right. So he goes 25 minutes and got beat up by Fisher. 25 minutes of a beating. Look how fast his very next fight ended. Oh, one, shit. One minute. Damn. Now you go from a 25-minute beating against Jason Fisher. Jason Fisher is a Michigan legend. Michigan regional scene legend. Fought in Bellator. Jason the finisher Fisher. Mm-hmm. He's the fucking man. Jason Witt knocks you out right after that. Now you're on your first losing streak two fights you just took a 25 minute beating and a one minute ko 
and you decide, not him, I'm sure, but his management decides to fight Nashon Burrell. That's not a You good... mean to tell me Strike Force vet yeah. Nashon Burrell? You mean UFC to take, vet at UFC that time. vet Nashon? Yeah. You mean to tell me went the distance with Stephen Thompson Nashon Burrell? Yeah. Yeah, what a great fucking That's idea not a good that idea. would be. Let's see so what he loses to Nashon yeah. Burrell, and then as a young fighter, three-fight losing streak, KO'd in two of them, 25-minute thrashing in the other one. I it's got to fuck with you mentally. It fucks with you mentally, and that's why fighting's not necessarily who the best guy is. It's who's there at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Because I trained with a lot of guys. I was like, oh, you know what? Neelan. Neelan Hordat Reese is the yeah. man. And Michael Karkula is the man. Yes. And a lot of these guys are just super tough. Oh. But it's not who's the toughest. It's like, who's going to do this for 10 years? Yeah, who can actually do it? it's going to take 10 years. Yeah. A lot of guys aren't built for that. And that's why I got respect for the journeyman. They're built for that. But you see tough fighters come in all the time. and you know, Not tough fighters, but they come in. They win some fights. They look spectacular. And like once the going gets hard, it's like they never really overcome that. Yeah. And that's why I said I got respect for Felice Harry. Or, yeah. or not Felice Harry, sorry. Yeah, she's hot. Carla <laughs> Sparry's hot. <laughs> yeah. Not so hot. No. But it's just like, yeah, like she knows, she knows who she is deep but- down. She's a fighter, whereas... I, I wonder with some of these other people, once the going gets tough, is it like, ah, oh, fuck it, I, I want to do something. Me and you, though, we have a unique perspective compared to most people. Like, probably whoever is going to watch this either. Like, we're actually close to the fighters. We're actually seeing the Tyler Toners come to fucking Sudbury. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we, we see that shit. Nobody else really gets to see that shit. They just see the guys that are on, like, two-fight losing streaks, and then they lose a third fight, and then they're cut, and then they never hear from them again. But then we see the Ryan Dixons. We see the Neelan Hordats. We see the... I don't know if you've ever heard of our kid, Hashman Sorwari. Fucking amazing kid. He yeah, he lost yeah, his yeah. pro debut, but on the on the regional seat, had a fucking barn burner with Louis Jourdain, who Dude, you fucking know as well. he had a draw with Louis Jourdain, right? Dude, I was cornering him for that him. fight. Yeah, he had a good amateur career. That was an insane won. fucking fight. Whoever he fought his pro debut, though, the name escaped me, but the guy's tough, he was too. Good. Yeah, yeah. He was good. Like, it was, it I, had, exactly. uh, I had Ergus on as, uh, as my last guest. And he was telling me about that kid, how that kid's really good as well. It's where it should be hashmat, but it's hazmat, <laughs> which is, sounds like the fucking uh, dangerous goods protocol. <laughs> dangerous goods protocol. You know uh, what? I bet you. I bet you. Here, I'm just making sure. Are you two, are you pulling something up on I the? I bet you I've got on notes the Cody on mold. Yeah, I bet you Cody I've got yet? fucking notes on this guy. Who? Uh, Tishe Gautru. Oh, dude, all of them. Okay, so this guy fights at 45. Yeah. Oh, who? Hashmat? Yeah. Hashmat should technically be a 125er. He fought Jordan at 125. Right. And he was a guarantee. Okay. Look at this. Bam. 25-year-old striker from Grants MMA in Toronto. Comes from a Muay Thai background. Has competed provincially as an amateur. Switched to to MMA briefly in 2014. Going 1-0-1 with a draw against future pro Louis Jordan. Who was 5-2 at the time. Or 5-2 as a pro. (laughs) Went, Went back to Muay Thai for five years. And then came back to the MMA cage to make his debut in September at PFC 11. That was his pro debut, and he was TKO'd by third round by super prospect Tisha Guthro, who's 3-0. And then I got one of his Muay Thai fights linked and his pro debut. Are you... What is this app? What is this that you have? You know what? No, it's not an app. It's just I I have a profile on everybody who's fought in this country. Because if you want to book fighters and you want to reach out to guys and you want to connect, it's like, that's the shit. Wait, wait, wait. Are you actively matchmaking for somebody right now? Yeah, on and off. Yeah, okay. So I can't divulge my big pipe work plan, but like a major organization who is has major shows but has yet to come to Canada is looking to expand into Canada. They're looking for a Canadian matchmaker. Maybe help them with that. 
But like, hey. but like above all else, yeah, above all else, hey. I've never met this guy. I I probably couldn't tell you if we walked down the street. I, I probably wouldn't sure. recognize him, right? But I have a profile because he's had a fight. Uh-huh. And you profile all these guys and... So what, what are you doing? Like, are you searching shows? Like each show you're saying, okay... This one happened in Oakville. I need to know everybody that was on this card and what happened someone in this event. Says, if someone says, I need a Bantamweight in Vancouver, I know all the Bantamweights in Vancouver. If someone says, I need a Bantamweight in Saskatchewan, I know the Bantamweights in Saskatchewan. But, what's your, what's says, your method, though? What's your, what are you doing? Are you Every week, are you saying, okay, these events happen in Canada. I need to keep on track of these guys? No, or? guys will reach out to me and be like, I need somebody. So and you, then you and then, then you do your research. You provide somebody, yeah. yeah. And then uh, I've also had uh, people be like, "Could you scout out my opponent?" So it helps. It helps out to just have a profile on all of them. Yeah. Because what I noticed is I do I do Robin Black's notes, and uh, hmm. he predominantly was doing uh, for bare knuckle boxing. Mm-hmm. So I would do full profiles on these gypsy bare knuckle boxers. Yeah. But it was fucking rough, man. Like I had to pull up like police records from them to get their date of birth to figure out how old they were. But you learned a lot about these people. So then when people yeah. start reaching out, being like, could you put a strategy together? Not, I'm going to use your strategy. But like, if you had to put a strategy together, what would it be? And then people start reaching out for, this is my opponent. And it, it made a lot more sense to just profile everybody. And then that way, if I didn't have much time, it wouldn't cost me a lot of time. To pull up the information that you require I would have as the well. information. Well, well are, are you just writing this in notes or some shit? Like, yeah, like I got, literally like you know, that, like yeah, caveman yeah. style. I got notes on notes. I got that's insane, of, bro. You know what? I don't know if it's like I don't know the legality of it, but like, yeah, like I got I I don't throw out your blood work if you've ever done blood work for me. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> he can make a clone of you, yeah. is what he's saying. <laughs> no, I don't have a sample of blood work. I, I mean, I got your EKG test. Yeah, yeah, I got yeah. your. I got all of that shit. I you got know your what? Eye the, exam. The funny I have thing your is, heart results. Like I was cleaning out my cold room recently, and I came by all my SCC folders and files and paperwork. Tons of shit, Kept man. it. Just tons, keeping it. Tons of shit. All of exactly. it. Exactly. So that's, that's where what I realized. I realized over time, it's just like you know what. It might as well keep a profile. And then again, people are like, man, I need I need an opponent. Who can you have come in? Yeah. And it would help to also be like, okay, these guys are in these regions. So somebody from Alberta, there might not you be a You just fighter. do Canada or do you look into the States as well? Because that's a shit ton of fucking work then. You know what? The thing is, I keep the guys in Canada. That's all super up to date. And then the organizations that I'm working for. So for example, this organization in Alberta, they employed me to do a little bit of work for them, whatever, right? So the first thing I do is... Who are the available fighters in Montana? Because mm-hmm. it's right below Alberta. And if Touché. I can't drive from a Canadian guy, then I can draw from one of these guys. Yep. And in the case of like uh, David Mashad, like he doesn't fly, super weird, but he was just like, I'd drive down. So it's like, okay. I'm in. Now, as a Canadian regional scene, the guy asked for six grand. Yeah, he's worth every penny. He fought in the UFC. Uh, this is right before he joined PFL. Mm-hmm. So he was like, I need six grand. It's like, it's just not going to work. You know, it's a regional, it's a regional promotion, right? Well, we know what these guys are fucking making on the regionals. I mean, let's just put it that way. <sighs> people would it's be sad to hear sad. it, but like, I've, yeah. I've, I've, I've had people fight for free for me. Yeah, because, for sure. Because they, they wanted the fight. And There's I, been guys that I, were I just like fight. a percentage of their ticket sales. They just want to get the experience so they can get it on their record so they could progress their career yeah i'm sure you've seen plenty of that shit <laughs> you know what we had three guys where legally you have to pay them you can't mm-hmm. not pay a fighter that that is highly yeah. illegal and these guys agreed three of them won't name names three of them agreed i'll fight for free because i'm asking you for a fight you're not asking me for a fight i'm asking you for a fight yeah 
So legally, we had to pay them something. That's what SEC was pretty much and all we, about. And we though. asked like, them, we asked them to cash it and give it back. Mm-hmm. Fucking two of them did, <laughs> you know. And then, then looking back, I think like, man, that's so fucked up. But like, do you understand like the why the guy though? fought? Yeah, no, no, I do. Especially, I especially in Ontario, the like, show's not going to survive. It, like it SEC survive. was probably the only thing around in Ontario at that time. Right? Like, there was really nothing else going on. SEC, there was something in London. Here are, the, here are the realistic numbers here. SEC spent $100,000, right? And recuperated ninety seven, right? So, you lost $3,000. Which, as an MMA promoter... Yeah! Fuck yeah! Kinda, yeah, that's My true. shirt's still on my back? Yeah. Fuck yeah! yeah $3,000 yeah, yeah. as a loss is not much. Yeah. The problem for the company that we were working for is like... How much time did you put into that? How much time did I put into that? How much time did like the key members of our team put into that? Yeah. So for all of us to put in four or five months of effort, I put on 20 pounds just because like you're busy. And I I fucked an Alex Ricci UFC contract with Joe Silva. <laughs> I fucked it. Because How I, so? So so he was supposed to fight Jason Sago on the card, right? On our card. On our card. Yeah, I, I remember. I, I got them. <laughs> it's on this poster, actually. Is yeah. it actually? I'm pretty sure it's... Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. But, sorry, sorry. But, so, quick, so they're both on contract. Quick, quick diver. Todd Stone, by the way. <laughs> Todd Stone versus, versus, Ray versus, versus Ray Lopez, who couldn't get across the border. <laughs> yeah. So the we have to get powwows for that. That was one that we got powwows well, for. But yeah, dude, sorry. I stayed on that guy for like fucking a month. A month. You can get across the border, right? And he's yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And then for the last second, he's like... I haven't paid Josh for three years. Cocksucker. You oh, son of a bitch. Fuck. Dylan, you son of a bitch. I feel so bitch. bad for you. Oh, but yeah. you fucking got me. Anyways, I, sorry, back okay, to- okay, so 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 I book Ricci versus Jason Sago, yeah. right? So Jason's, Great fight at the time in the Canadian MMA scene. Badass. One of the biggest fights ever. Badass, badass. So right <clears> around, <throat> roughly around the same time as our card, I believe is UFC 174, which yeah. is Franklin versus uh, Liddell. Oh, yeah. In Vancouver. Right, so yeah. they have a last-minute injury and they need a short-nose replacement to fight Josh Shockley. Jason so, Sago. So they take Jason Sago. Now, Jason Sago's already signed a contract with me saying that he was going to come in on the thing. So when Mitch Mayberger, who was managing him, gets in contact with Joe Silva, Joe Silva's like, I can't sign him for the fight unless he's void of this contract. Legally, he has a contract. We, If we were the biggest sacks of shit in the fucking world, we could sue. But, like, what the fuck? We're a regional scene. We're trying to get these guys there. Trying to get these guys there. Yeah, this is great. Wouldn't great if he fought first and then made the UFC. But Yeah, exactly. Dude, great that he's making the UFC. Also, I know Sago, and I know Neil was buddies with Mayberger. They're such great guys. Happy to see them. Yeah. So, no problem. We void void, uh, the The contract. contract. But, see, Joe Silva had sent me an email asking me if I could void the contract. So now I had that motherfucker's email. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're in Virginia, but I still got you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I work, bro. Because like the Rolodex, it's like you just, yeah. you add contacts all the time. All the me. time. All the time. Those Bellator guys, did I need the number? No. They wrote them down. Because it's like, <laughs> that's what you do. That's it's going to eventually come in handy. <laughs> Could come in handy, yeah. right? So, so anyways, um, as the story goes, Jake Ellenberger has a brother named Joe Ellenberger. Yep. Yep. Joe Ellenberger's got a rare blood disease. Yep. Never hit the same peaks as Jake, but gets signed to the UFC in like 2015 or some shit, right? Had a couple fights. Yeah. His his initial debut, if you look at it, it's like three cancellations. The oh. last of which was Brian Barberena. 
Mm-hmm. Brian Barbarena cancels from the fight. Like James Muntas or somebody else at the fight. And I, and I had seen, fuck, this guy's got guys pulling out. Fights in Australia. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, I got Alex Ricci and Jason Sago. But I just lost Jason Sago. He just signed with the UFC. Now you got Ricci. Then I got Ricci. He's got no fight. Why not get Ricci to fight Joe Ellenberger in Australia at 155? Yeah, we're perfect. We're, we're set. The, the reasoning why we put these guys on our card is achieved even before we put on our card. <laughs> now, here's where things get a little sticky. So I have Joe Silva's email. So I think I'm doing a good deed, right? Yeah. I'm just going to shoot Joe Silva an email. So I shoot you. And then this is after our card. Okay. So so Alex Ricci competes on he our card. Against he fought against Louis Feliz. EJ Brook, sorry. Brook. He fought uh, Feliz on the first card, or Felix. Yeah, Louis Felix is on the first card. Yeah. Now he fights EJ Brook. Now EJ Brook is notable because he's A, a Bellator veteran. B, he wrestled collegiately at Missouri. Mm-hmm. He had a wrestle off against Michael Chandler for the starting position at, at for the Mizzou Tigers and beat him. Mm-hmm. And started half the season until the coaches, for whatever reason, said, fuck it, and put Michael Chandler back in. Yeah. He's got a great story. <laughs> he's a good competitor. Even now he fights for Bellator and Titan FC and shit. Yep. And like, he's, he's always just showing up randomly. Uh, his last fight, it's like, you should have never... Why would you fight Logan Storley, man? Oh, Come that's, on. that was a tough you one. You can't be a, a part-timer and fight Logan no. Storley. And EJ Brook, as great as he is, and he's a very great human being. Yeah. He, he's a part-timer at this point. He... he he um, teaches collegiate, uh, not collegiate, high school wrestling. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. He's, he's teaching high school wrestling. He's married. He's got a great girlfriend, or I don't know if he's married, but his, his girlfriend's great. And uh, Last he's a fucking Storley, good yeah. dude. I'll yeah. him a lap dance at a strip club. <laughs> After <laughs> nice. this fight, because he thought he got robbed. I was nice. like, buddy, maybe you did. No, you maybe lost. Maybe you didn't. Bro, you lost. Uh, yeah, I thought Richie won, to be honest with you. So I, I couldn't I couldn't look him in the eyes and tell him I thought he won, but yeah. he, he thought he won. Anyways. Dude, that was 2014. That's what I mean. Like, May that's six 2014, years ago, bro. Holy so shit. Long, long times. That blows my fucking mind. You know what? I just want to quickly take a look at this SCC2 card. We'll end off on this, because I got to fucking get out of here, too. Uh, but SCC2, like... Jeremy O'Shaim, do you remember the story with him after the fight? Yeah, his his, his fiance got in like a tragic car accident, yeah. and, she's like, and I think he stopped not, fighting. She's got a traumatic brain injury, yeah. And he has worked so goddamn hard in rehabilitating that girl. It's yeah, actually he was there for all, all the fucking time. Like so, so, so O'Shaim, we go through a, a ride program. <laughs> I haven't been drinking. I just worked this event the whole night. I'm driving them. This to, was after the event. Yeah, fuck yeah. It's it's me. Oshim, his coach Thomas Denny, who's my idol, and yeah. you want to go to bed. It's okay, Thomas. You know, <laughs> they call him the wild man. Yeah. Not that wild that night. Not that night. <laughs> so so like fucking, I was dreaming of yeah, this fucking yeah, yeah. night. So so me, Jeremy Oshim, Jameson Sandino, who fought Wooly, who yep. also thinks he got robbed. Yeah. I'm with two guys who think they got robbed and one guy beat touched out. And yep. uh James, oh, EJ Brooks. And Jameson's cornerman, uh, Marcio Navarro, who also fought for Bellator a couple yep. of times. Super good guy. And yeah, we go through a ride program. I have not been drinking. They haven't been drinking. But they're, they're all beat up. They're all beat up. And I got a bag of weed in the car. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's 2014. So it's illegal, right? Yeah. So I'm like, oh my God. So so I'm just like, yo, uh, I think we're good, but I got a bag of weed in the car. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, is that, is that, is that okay? And then, and then Oshin's like... <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm from Colorado. I'm from Denver. <laughs> We're good. Yeah, yeah, because was. I think it just got legal there, so he was he was totally fine with that. Yeah, it was a badass card. Insley Robinson, was another an motherfucker too. He, he wrestled for Canada in the Olympics. Yeah, man. Right. He lost that Carl Nelson fight. I know. I know. I give Nelson. Do you remember a thousand, that? I give Nelson a thousand dollars for that you? fight, and he and he choked out Ainsley in forty two seconds, and then Ainsley's kid Ninja, who uh, used to chain Shaw Franco's way back in the day, little kid. He hops the fucking cage, man. That was a security Holy fuck, that kid's fast. fuck up. Well, that kid's fast, man. But still, we should the, not have let that happen. He was in the cage in two seconds. His old man got choked out cold, yeah. then tap out cold. Yeah. And then he was in the cage two seconds later. Yeah. That crazy. was scary. Cause crazy. like as as like the logistics manager that night, I was just like, yo, why the fuck did anybody not get him? Like I was this should not be happening. I was cage side and it happened so fast. I didn't know. Really no quick. fucking idea. No fucking idea. Ainsley was like 40 at the time. He actually yeah. runs. Uh, Toronto Toronto top team Toronto top team Toronto yeah. top team and I would love to go train with that guy he's got such he's a super nasty nice, takedown game I did oh, I did deal dude. with him in terms of like getting him great tickets dude. and all that stuff great dude. super awesome guy was always very like nice very guy. very nice in terms of uh, but yeah, in terms like of guys that kind of had like the sky's the limit Mr. Mike Mallott Mike Mallett, however the fuck we want to call his name yeah. he's one of the top coaches over at uh, Team Alpha Male now but so it seems like he kind of like Oh, career, oh yeah. he had a grappling match in 2019. But last time he fought MMA was 2017, so it's been a while. Last time he was scheduled was November of 2017. But that guy was a motherfucker as well. Remember when we set up that fight with... Um, who were we, we were trying to get him and Mike uh, Michael Karkula, yeah. right? That was the fight we were trying to line up, but we could not get it together. Karkula hurt his ribs. He pulled out, yeah. That was fucked, and, and then, then Karkula, he just Karkula disappeared. 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 Yeah, I, Another I mean, motherfucker. I, I don't know if we I can talk tell about those stories. This. I can't tell those stories. That's fine. Like, we talked like, about this a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I mentioned it to you. I was like, yeah. Karkula's had a quick <laughs> fucking adventure, that boy. But dude, like there's- You know this, what? This this kid, Mike Malaw, was going to be the man. Yeah. And he loses the fight to Hakeem Dewadu. That was the funny thing is, dude, me and my boy watch that fight i'm like yo you gotta watch out for this mike Malad kid because he's about to fuck shit up <laughs> and then Dewadu just fucking dusts Dude, him i message i message my guy out, uh, <laughs> out west i says you want to bet Dewadu versus Malad? yeah he says who do you want i was like Malad. yeah he's like, he's like okay so i tell him i was like i was like well what's Dewadu like and he's like dude Dewadu's like a fucking seven-time Muay Thai champion, like fucking forty-seven and two Muay Thai record, like he had all murderer, the all the good in the world. I was like, nobody wanted to fight him. We nobody, couldn't get a fight for him. Nobody, but nobody wanted to fight him a lot either. So it was like it was like two crazy, oh, super oh, yeah, yeah, high yeah, sorry, prospects yeah. clashing, right? So then I'm like, well, what's his ground game like? And they're like, like, oh, it's getting better. I'm like, but is he can he grapple? And they're like, well, it's getting better. I'm in on Mike Malat. Mike Malat fucking takes him down right off the yeah. bat. Hakeem gets up. Mike Malat takes him down. Hakeem gets up. That's the end of the fight. <laughs> he couldn't do anything after no, that. No, he got stung and he got hurt. And then yeah. right after that fight, if you look at it, he fights in Bellator yeah. for Thomas uh, versus Thomas Diang. Yeah. Thomas Diang's a strike force vet. Good buddies with Scott Coker. Gets the contract. He's from France, actually. Okay. He trains at AKA, American Kickboxing mm-hmm. Academy. And Malat wins the first two rounds. And in the third round, just like wheels fall right off. And this Diang guy 10 8s him in the third. That's why it's a draw. Yeah. Then he takes a lot of time off. His last fight, Craig Shintani. Shintani's no joke. He knocked out Craig Shintani in 36 seconds. Never fought again. Why is that? But he, he was playing with neck injuries. He had bad, like... Yeah, I think that's like, why he eventually, like, took the time off, right? balance, and yeah. But he's Faber's coach now. Like, he doesn't coach all the alpha male guys. And you'll notice some of the alpha male guys still use Justin Buckles. Some of them yep. use Faber. Some of them, you know, I mean, just different flavors, I guess. I, I mainly see but him a lot in uh, Garbrandt's quarter. He's always in Garbrandt's quarter, I find it. 
Yeah. I, well, maybe not I noticed like him now. mostly with Faber, but yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, he's one of the top guys there. There, dude. There was other guys like Max Lee. That was another guy that never really fought after that SEC too. Those are Canadian guys that are badass, but yeah. just look at Team Alpha Male, right? Team you got, Alpha you got, you, you, you got, you got Mike Mallott, who you're like, yeah. oh, dude, he's a great striker, and he had all this stuff going for you. You know who, if Mike Mallott would have stayed on track, you know who would have probably fucking wrecked his ass regardless? Chris Holdsworth. Chris Holdsworth is another guy, Team Alpha Male. Ooh. Just something happens. He had a yeah. concussion problem. That was a T.J. Dillashaw thing, well, right? Well, he blames T.J. Dillashaw, but he had a concussion problem before. Okay. What happens is it's compound injury, right? You get a concussion. Four months later, you get another concussion. Six months later, you get another concussion. And then what happens is Dillashaw's, the knee to the back of the head, wouldn't have given him a concussion six months it's, ago. Mm. But Ryan Healy would have never been knocked out by Marcin Held had he not had the wear and tear. In this in particular instant, Holdsworth had a lot of damage in a short Accumulated period Accumulated damage. In and, a short and I time. think that was almost, I don't know, the, the, say, the saying is the straw that broke the camel's back. It's a biblical saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Everybody no. fucking knows it. It's all good. <laughs> I think I think that's what the Dillashaw thing was. I think it's just like whatever that maybe the knee in the back of the head did trigger something, but it was like it was what triggered it. Malott's case, Malott takes two years off because his head's fucked up. Yeah. Now, remember, he says openly, he's like, I would love to thank out. He was thanking some chiropractor being like, I don't have a concussion problem. I have like a vertigo problem. It's like a sp- It's a neck issue. Yeah. And they fixed the neck issue. And he bre- beat Craig Shintani in 36 seconds. And he never fought again after that. Like, why Why would that be? But it's just like, a yeah. lot of guys aren't... I've I've talked to guys that have taken five fights. Oh, how awesome is that picture at the top, by the right? way? Right? Who is he's that? He's 16 and he's a Shogun. Yeah. yeah. Look how young he is. Oh, the Canadian fight. Remember the, the American fighter brand as well? What... What did the they? What did this? Oh, yeah, the Canadian name, fighter. I, I thought you meant that was his name. Yeah, oh, Canadian no, no. fighter. The, the 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 brand. But yeah, yeah, yeah. what Craig Shintani? Yeah, yeah, that was an XFFC. But look at thirty six seconds into the first. So it's yeah. like, why why did he pull out that Brandon Rossetti fight? It was a high profile fight, and then yeah. to a lesser extent, the Salvero Becerra fight. Yeah, but it's just maybe like, it's something he, just mentally. No, what it was, it was what the injury. It? It's just the like, injuries yeah. just adding up. Yeah, but at like least he's getting at least he's getting good run with Team Alpha Male, right? It seems like he seems to be a point man over there. Where they're actually like focusing on him to to complete some sort of these some of these tasks within the or some sort of these tasks within the gym themselves, like that that could be the only reason why he's still able to to live in Sacramento. This is a kid from fucking Waterdown, Ontario, uh-huh. living out in Sacramento. They must be paying him for doing something out there, right? Like it can't just be personal training, like. I'm sure some of these guys out there rely on this kid. Yeah, you know what? I would hope so. I would hope that people look at him as a valuable asset to the team. But Alpha Males had a really bad history with coaches coming in and out. I mean, when you look at right from the start, right? Yeah. It's like Faber, Master Thong. And then yeah. Master Thong, then, I don't know. He just vanishes right off the bat. Martin like, Kamen for a bit. Well, Dwayne Ludwig. Dwayne and then, Ludwig. And then Martin Kamen. Then Kamen. And then Justin Buckles. Yeah, yeah, and now, yeah. And now our boy Mike Malott. But like, yeah. I can't imagine it's more than... You know, forty US. The thing is, is as much as we say, like, oh, dude, Sacramento. You've been to Sacramento? Yeah, that's true. Shit <laughs> dude, it's Northern California. It's a shithole. It's shithole. It's not SoCal. It's no, NorCal. no, dude. It's Northern um, California. Right. It's cold and it's a shithole. <laughs> and so I think you could afford a place yeah. out out there. But but what Faber does is that when Faber was the man and money was rolling in, yeah, and real estate was cheap, he bought it. He bought like he's got like a neighborhood. Oh shit! Yeah, he has really? like six houses in a row. Good for so him. He puts up the fighters there, and a lot of them stay there. And you can bring in, you know, if uh, 
Teruto Ishihara is visiting, then you can put him up. I know what a flake that was, eh? But you can put I'm him so up. So glad I, I even took the minus two eighty on Kyung Ho Kang in that fight. Why? Yeah, why the yeah, fuck yeah. would Ishihara even took that fight? It was beyond me, considering the fact that he was on the chopping block. But whatever. for sure. But you know when you said like, oh, yeah, there's an assumption that these guys are coming with an injury. He's notoriously got a bad back. And I don't know how like well known that is, but his no. last two three fights it was like an instant Due fate because mm. it's like he's not he's not training his grappling because his back yeah. hurts, so he's only relying on. Southpaw stance, straight left, right down the middle, dark yeah. in and out. That's all he's relying on. And they were matching him up with guys like Mr. Perfect, who is not perfect, Notorious but grappler. loves to grab yeah, loves due to a black belt, you know, BJJ black belt. Uh, good he's kind of been game. a little bit of money train for me. I, I stayed I've away from him success. in the Ricardo Ramos yeah. fight. You always have to pay a little bit of juice on him, but I think he's worth it just due to the style that he is able to implement. He's a winning uh, style. Last thing that we're going to hit on before we get out of here. Uh, Tony Ferguson versus Khabib. I I think Ferguson's roughly around a plus two hundred favorite. I think this guy's kind of worth a shot there. I think if there's anybody to beat Khabib at the lightweight division at the one fifty five division, it's got to be Tony Ferguson just due to his unorthodox style and what 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 problems he can present in the jiu-jitsu realm. Like, obviously, Khabib wants to get to this fight to the ground because if it stays on the feet, I think that Ferguson's going to have some success just due to being awkward and oh, being wild. he's a better he's gonna, striker. We, yeah. We've seen a little bit of adversity, adversity for Khabib on the feet, but when it comes to the ground game, nobody's really been able to give him that awkward style that Tony Ferguson is going to be able to give. Do you think he's worth a shot at plus 200? Do you think the odds are like correct at where they are and how do you kind of see that fight going i can see him being worth a possible shot at plus 200 only because this is really the best matchmaking you can do it's the number one guy in the world versus the number two guy in the world that's the best you can do at any weight class this is a competitive fight and yeah. she could be be a two to one favorite over guy like you said plus 200 and tony ferguson ah geez you know that's that's good value because could be beat mcgregor and thrash mcgregor there's this aura of like, oh well, he's a new guy. He's the yeah. new guy. You got to jump on him. You got to be. You got to be with. You got to be with Team Khabib. That maybe they're overlooking Tony Ferguson ever so slightly. But I truly do believe that Khabib's a generational talent. I think hmm. that this guy is complete. He's a complete package. He's built for combat. He has that attitude. And where hundred percent, he's giving up a striking disadvantage to Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson is not a one punch knockout guy. Nope. He's a cumulative damage kind of guy. Correct. He's a punch output break you down kind of guy but i don't see him just catching him with that one shot also you got to realize that when people fight khabib their only shot is that one punch mm -hmm. who's the only guy that has ever nailed khabib clean with a powerful shot michael johnson michael johnson michael johnson's got a tremendous amount of power yeah. not so much at 45 but at 55 it's like holy mm -hmm. fuck this guy can crack deaded some guys people remember khabib being stung rewatch that fight it hurt it hit maybe it did stick but it's like this guy drop fucking walks right through it. He's like, yeah. he's tough. Now the McGregor fight, McGregor hits him like a few times. They almost sound like they almost seem like glancing blows. In high insight, when you rewatch that fight, right? McGregor does hit him and nothing does any damage. You watch at almost any other McGregor fight, not a boxing match with 12 ounce gloves, or was it eight ounce gloves? Eight ounce gloves. Mm -hmm. He touches anybody, there's a massive amount of damage inflicted. He did touch Khabib, not, nothing was done. So I believe the guy can take the punch. So so even though Ferguson's not a one-punch power guy, it, it, Khabib takes the damage. Now now we're just going to go to maybe Ferguson wins the first round. Maybe Ferguson outlands him early, but Khabib always gets into the clinch. Ferguson can wrestle, but Khabib's the best wrestler. And ultimately, when Khabib gets the fight to the ground, and when I say when, 
They all do. It's gonna. It's inevitable. The only guy to ever stand up Khabib and say, fuck your takedowns is Glyson Tebow. Glyson Tebow arguably won that fight. That's a throwback right there. But Glyson yeah. Tebow is a motherfucking yeah. fire hydrant. Right? Somehow makes 155 <laughs> all the fucking time. I don't know. And at the time, it was like, he's so fucking juiced out of yeah. his fucking gills. Ridiculous. That you can't take him down. Yeah. And I, I thought Glyson won the fight. Yeah. If you go go to MMA decisions, okay, and punch in Glyson Tebow versus Nurmagomedov. Or just even just go MMA decisions... Yeah, Nurmagomedov. Let's see if I can do this drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, T-Bow MMA decisions. It'll come up. Even if you misspell it, it comes up up because Google Perfect, perfect. Google knows everything. Okay, look at the media scores. Look at the media scores. Oh, wow. Right. Five to one. Five to one, Jordan Breen from SureDog had it 30-28 T-Bow. Wow. Tristan Crinchfield from SureDog had it 30-27. Sean Oshadi. Chris Nelson, 30-27. Sean Oshadi, MMA Fighting, MMA Weekly. Dude, they didn't have it 29-28. They had it 30-27. Wow. So fan, fan scoring, 37.1%, 30-27 but 34.9% had a 30-27 Tebow. So this well, is probably well, one well, of the well, highly well, contested we'll, ones. We'll scroll down. See, 49% thought Tebow won yeah. versus how much for Nurmagomedov? What is that? 49.2 for Tebow and 49 point, Like, it, it was just down the line. And, 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 and it, and right. And 0.07 Does it tell you how many fans voted? Uh, yes. Go down, go down. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. it normally yes. does. Eight, 687. 687. And most of them thought Tebow won wow. by 1% or yeah. by half a percent. Yeah, sorry. whatever or you want to call zero, it. 0.1% zero yeah. more. But what I'm saying is, see, see uh, top rated countries, okay? United States, Russia. Russia's number two. Oh, of course. Okay? They're but the says, only one that had more exactly. scores for Nurmagomedov. That was the only exactly. country. Exactly. Wow. So it's like, for the, mo- for the most part, it's like, I think a lot of people walked away from the fight being like, yo, t is the shit, right? But it was just, it was how they clashed at that time in their career. Nurmagomedov's young still. He's green still. And what the difference here is that T-Bow's 5'8". And fucking yeah. juiced and built like to a the fire. He, he built like a fire hydrant. Yeah. Whereas like Ferguson's tall and lanky, and as much as he can wrestle, and he's a good wrestler, eventually he will get taken down. But and and this is but the jujitsu is where I'm trying to like trying to get the conversation to like. You'll do your tape study. You'll you'll do your new some MMA index, yeah. right? The only fight to me, and geez, this must be. You'll tell me the year here, but it must be four or five years ago. The only fight worth mentioning, in my opinion. It's Tony Ferguson versus Danny Castillo. You can check. Oh the, yeah. You know what? Check. Click on. Click on uh, Ferguson if you got MMA decisions. I want. I want to see what the scores on that one were, because uh, that is a prime example of when he starts falling to his back, so, hunting submissions. Once he allows you to take him down, so he can hunt submissions, and the submissions don't happen. He's not could. the Tony Ferguson you're thinking of. Because so, I, I remember and, and that's this the fight. This is the fight where uh, Ferguson was pretty much on his back, but he was landing a lot of shots off his back, which is yeah, why he won it. Split, it's a split for Ferguson. And I yeah. think, I remember the commentary being Joe Rogan being like, you know, Ferguson might have won this. And you know what? Look at that. A lot of media did give it to him. But Wrestling Observer, MMA Mania, MMA Junkie, Bleacher Report, there's a couple more there, all gave it MMA Odds Breaker, Adam Martin, Cage Pages. Shout out. Yeah, Adam Martin, who's the man, Craig Amos. Junkie and Mania and Dave Meltzer all scored it for Castillo. The 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 fan scoring is uh, only thirty six percent Castillo, I guess. But 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 if you rewatch the fight, the main thing here is that 
Castillo's on top of him the whole time, not doing anything, and Ferguson's attacking off his back. Just throwing elbows and right. all that type of shit. But be, be, because Castillo's a very top-heavy t- fighter, he was able to get the fight where he wants it. He was a great collegiate wrestler, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah. He gets the fight where he wants it. Team Alpha Male, guy in the shout-out. He gets the fight where he wants it. He holds him there. The difference is Ferguson's throwing shit off his back, right? I know that's a long time ago. I know Ferguson's evolved. Ferguson's also, what, 34 years old? He's Just had knee issues. There, yeah. He's banged up. And when he fights Khabib, if he ends up on his back, it's not going to be, oh, I'm throwing up shit. He's not doing anything like Castillo. It's Khabib utter domination. And to think he's going to knock out Khabib or submit Khabib, it's MMA. Anything mm-hmm. can happen. Yeah, exactly. But, 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 but you can look at George and you can say, this is the greatest fighter of all time. But you know what? Matt Sarah slept on that one time with a couple yeah. of fucking half-assed That's punches. That's so true. And you can say, geez, you know what? John Jones, uh, John Jones is a different, he, he's never been beaten. But but everybody has had that one moment where they've been beaten, where you can draw on, hey, maybe you can do that. Khabib's not only never been beaten, he's never been close to beaten. Outside of the, uh, the uh, decision fight. of Tebow, he's never almost been knocked out. Never. He's never almost been submitted. Never. So it's it's a hard narrative to drive that Tony Ferguson's going to finish this guy. And the people I talk that are going Ferguson... They're saying, like, maybe he catches him. But not a whole lot of people are saying Ferguson has a decision, right? How many people are saying Ferguson by decision? Mm -hmm. So I think that's the difference where I think um, Khabib is, in my mind, this is this is this is just strictly my opinion. I'll leave I'll leave the viewers with this and we can we can end the show. The greatest MMA fighter of all times. It's Khabib Nurmagomedov. <laughs> the number two, the number two greatest MMA fighter of all times is George St. Pierre. And the number three greatest MMA fighter of all time is John, John Jones. Jones. Only because of the drug test. Otherwise, he's number one. He's True. number one. I, I I would I could make an art, I could make a good argument for Khabib still being number one over a clean Jones. But my heart, my heart tells me Jones is the greatest. But the two drug tests, if this is baseball, fucking asterisk. That's true. Out. That's true. Barry Bonds. Considering everything that's going on Bonds right now. Barry Bonds isn't in the I fucking know. Hall of Fame. I know. Mark McGuire. Yeah. Mick McGuire. <laughs> that was my favorite the, fucking baseball player of all of time. Yeah. So, so if we're going by baseball standards, John yeah. Jones is not a Hall of Famer. Yeah. So, so if you discredit him, who's the greatest? George. It could be. George held guys down and dominated them. It was beautiful to watch, even though people thought it was boring. Khabib doesn't just hold them down and dominate them. He holds them down, thrashes them, and mm-hmm. dominates them. And to me, that's the difference maker. Yes or no? Is Khabib value at minus 235? Uh, yes or no? Give me a simple answer. I would say, shit up. Drop the, do they have props up? Drop the prop for Khabib by decision. That's what would be my play. And I bet you you're going to get even money. Maybe even plus money. Fight goes the distance is one twenty, so Khabib by decision is gonna be plus money, guaranteed. Well, they don't even have it. Oh, they no, they must. Yeah, Khabib by. Oh. Your Magomedov no, by just decision have props. plus two twenty five. Oh. Well, that's what I'm going. With. All right. Yeah, because Tony Ferguson's extremely durable. You know, yeah. do I do I think? Watch the Castillo fight. Castillo's on top of him, and that and that's all that happens. And it goes yeah. fifteen. Khabib finishes McGregor. Oh, yeah, he finished true. McGregor. So what? Yeah, r- right. Oh, and he finished Michael Johnson. Yeah. And he fought. But remember him before those fights? He was a decision machine. Pretty much. Because he's smart. Got great ring IQ. Yeah. When he fights a guy that has a substandard skill set, he, he finishes, he's finish that, that, that. Listen, dude, this is fighting. Yeah. This is not a substandard skill set. Tony no. pushes him, regardless of if he wins or loses. He pushes him. He pushes him five. Khabib wins. 
225 is the price I would love to go with. All right, all right. Um, I wish we could continue talking about this shit, but we're already fucking approaching on two hours, maybe if not more. You know, we're it's gone like two, this, we're right? We're part two down. We road. will part two of this for sure. I know I want to bring you on for sure again. Um, is there anything that you want to plug right off the top? No, you know, and honestly, like Bookie beat down. Yeah, well, it's Bookie beat down two. Now it's the Dogger Pass podcast. Dogger and, Pass. Uh, I always give a shout out to my boy Paul Shaughnessy. Like nothing nice. is possible without him. I yeah. know the work. That he's gonna eventually head. get in, get his ass in that chair as soon too. Yeah, I hope so. Because I'm gonna man. get him like, in here. He, he's a super good dude, and he definitely makes the dream possible. And yeah. then yeah, I mean, just like the guys that have mentored me in the past, Pat Mayo and Neil Forrester, my dad for sure. And yeah, I don't know. You know, I'm what? glad how we started this with horse racing, and now we're ending with MMA betting. Yeah. Well, <laughs> again, that's my love, and yeah. I always think like, oh man, what else would I rather be doing with my life? But when I went to college, super cliche, super stupid. But the guy's like, I never worked a day in my life because I worked in radio. I love what I do. Yeah, I love what I do. <laughs> but like, as stupid as that sounds, it's like. That, that is me. It's kind of true, yeah. I fucking love what I do. You're the fucking man. I just like, watch fights and, and, and races. And I and I work seven days a week. Yeah. And that's because the days I'm not working, my hobbies is 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 working. You yeah. Know, like the the shit that I love. Still ends up making you money. Yeah. And that and that, and that's the long run thing, right? Because we Paul and I have been doing the show for, uh, we're coming up on six years. And I've been watching fighting since 2006 you're coming out of 14 years of watching these fights it's been a long time so it's like what what keeps you interested after all this time it's just like the love for it yeah there's nothing greater i'll tell you something this is my last story i know we're going on my my last story i know do you know corey erdman give me give me two minutes because i need to piss my pants right now i'm gonna tell the story and then we're gonna we're gonna end the show i'll tell the story so corey erdman was a boxing analyst at fight network and uh super good dude you know what? If people think like, oh man, Cody knows MMA. This guy knows boxing better than anybody I've ever met in my entire life. Like he knows boxing to such an intricate level. Super good dude, but a realist. So anyways, him and I out drinking, good time. Out of some, it was, oh fuck, it, Barton's. It was called Barton's. It was, a, it was like a vegan restaurant. He's vegan, I'm not. But they also served like tacos, so three in the morning. Fuck it. Tacos, three in the morning, sold. So we end up at Barton's, right? We're having bar. It's three in the morning, okay? There's a nightclub called Dog and Bear. Dog and Bear is literally situated right next to Barton's. Eh, two doors down from Barton's. So we're in Barton's at 3 a.m. I'm eating a taco. He's eating some vegan, I don't know, vegan shrimp. That probably doesn't make any sense, but it was like some weird vegan thing. Maybe it was vegan tacos. Regardless, we're sitting there looking at the window, looking outside, and this guy leaves the nightclub, Dog and Bear. He walks like, three three steps down three three doors down essentially kind of in front of barton's it's glass window we can see out and this cadillac escalade rolls up stops in the middle of the road three in the morning there's no traffic you could get away with fucking leaving a car in the middle of the road at three in the morning gets out of this escalade and just yells it's on motherfucker and starts just fist fighting this other dude in front of barton's so i am excited oh there's nothing i love more and watching a fist fight. Yeah, I love UFC. I love Bellator. I love any type of MMA. I love K1 kickboxing. I love boxing. As fucked up as this sound. Ain't nothing better than a good old-fashioned shindig street fight. Fist fight on a Saturday night outside of a bar in a cornfield. Human emotion. I always say, what sells better than a title fight? I'll tell you what sells better than a title fight. Human emotion. It doesn't matter if someone's like, oh... This is the best guy in the world versus the second best guy in the world. If I say, yo, that guy doesn't like that guy because that guy fucked his wife. 
It's on. That is what you're going to watch. 100%. Here's a real fucking, here's a real visualization for you. You're in a mega dome. Some billionaire, some trillionaire creates a mega dome, okay? There's four corners. In the one corner, it's the Super Bowl. Okay. And the other corner is the fucking Stanley Cup playoffs. In the third corner, it's the World Series. In the fourth corner, it's the World Cup. Okay? Yeah. Right, right. Two fucking drunks start fist fighting three rows down. You fucking don't watch the game. <laughs> you, you watch, watch the, fight. the fist fight. Because it's human emotion. That's, Even at UFC events, I don't know if that's the story that you're talking about right now. But I've seen that shit all is over. It? But like, like even if at a UFC event, there's a fight going on in the crowd, people are watching the fight in the crowd, not the fight that's going on in the cage. Always, always. <laughs> so, so the story I was telling the viewers is yeah. we're, we're, me and Erdman are sitting at Barton's. He's having some vegan taco thing. I'm having a regular taco. And this there's a nightclub two doors down called the Dog and Bear. Okay. This guy leaves the Dog and Bear. He walks. We're three in the morning eating tacos. And a Cadillac Escalade pulls up in the middle of the road, parks, one single dude jumps out and goes, it's on, motherfucker, and rushes him. It's three in the morning. There's no traffic. Yeah. So you can get away oh, with it. Right on the, the street. Right. So these guys fucking start scrapping on the sidewalk. I'm so fucking excited. Three in the morning. Fight? What's up? And like I'm saying, <laughs> like I'm saying, I love the fucking real emotion fight. Oh, so, so I get up. I fucking dart towards the door and I feel a, a hand grab my shoulder. It's Erdman. I, I love Erdman. I got all the respect for the world for that guy. That guy's a fucking class, <laughs> class AG. Class if you're into yeah. boxing, give him a follow. He's the greatest. Okay. The greatest. Fucking hand hits my shoulder. I look back and Erdman says, are you fucking kidding me? He goes, do you want to get hit by a stray bullet? What? <laughs> <laughs> watching some shit fist fight yeah. at three in the morning outside of is it worth nightclub? your life? <laughs> so worth is it worth it? The yeah. fuck are you doing going out there? <laughs> <laughs> Took me one second to process it, but I was like, "This is how I want to die." <laughs> watching I a fist fight die, on the street. I want to die watching oh, fucking two God. guys scrap outside That's of a so fucking jokes. nightclub at three in the morning because it's like beer fest. Oh, he died drinking beer. That's how he wanted to oh, go. Oh my God. This is me. This is how <laughs> I want to go. This is filthy Cody right here. <laughs> Anyways, I get outside. They scrap it out. No shots fired. Oh, <laughs> so the Escalade just runs back to the Escalade, hops in and fucking away he drives off. But it was like, it was so ridiculous. It was like, Holy shit, what the oh, hell just happened? I can't wait to go back on the video and watch you actually talk talk about it for the first time and just yeah, go through man, it. Was, it was not so. But again, it was just like yeah. one of those moments where it was like, yeah, shit, chicken happened anytime. That's but to jokes. me, like, okay, you ever watch prison fights? Uh, I, I try to stir, stray away from yeah. fights outside of the octagon. It just right. makes me feel bad, especially when like people get knocked down and then they hit their head on the concrete. It makes me feel bad. So so prison fights came out at a very awkward time for me because it was like 2006, 2007. So yeah. not only am I consuming as much MMA as I can, I'm consuming any fights. Yeah. YouTube's fairly new. And, and straight up, this is a huge influence on me. Kimbo Slice. Oh, for sure. Because he he really hit surface around 2006. And that's when I'm watching IFL. That's when I'm watching Tough Four. I'm into Kimbo Slice. Yeah. And right around the same time, dude, I'm in high school, grade 10 or 11. And I tell somebody, yo, dude, my, my favorite fighter at the time, he's not anymore, love him, but he's my favorite fighter at the time, Jens Pulver. Oh, yeah. He's fighting Cub Swans and WEC. We should watch it. And yeah. just like nobody cares. Nobody knows who the, who the fuck these guys are. 
Jens right? Pulver, who has no ground game, yeah, submits Cub Swans with an anaconda jump. Yeah, like, th- <laughs> like three seconds in, Dude, it was it was miraculous. It was that's miraculous jokes. shit. Yeah, but it was just like man, that street fighting was an element, and so uh, no one's gonna know Shad Smith, spelled S H. Yeah, S H A D. Chad Smith was a homosexual mixed martial arts. He's got tap out tattooed across his chest. Oh, he 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 was most first famous. red flag. Sorry. He was no, he was most famous because he was really good buddies with the tap out guys, punk ass and skyscrape. Skyscrape's not really one of the the guys, but punk ass and mask. Yeah, they were really the tap out guys. Yeah. I used to live at tap out at the gym mm-hmm. three months. Holy shit! Fuck. Yeah, shit went sideways there, buddy. Uh. But anyways, like he was, yeah, he was friends with those guys. Shad Smith was, and he he was a he was a SoCal guy. He yeah, would just go fucking fight whoever, whoever the fuck yeah, else, whoever. Second like, I'm Jason not, Ellis type of guy. Yeah, I don't like I don't like uh, what was it? Bump fights. Ah, uh, you know I don't I don't like it. Dude, I, I did I did have those on my Xbox, my modded Xbox. I used to watch fucking bump fights all the time. I watched them, but I didn't love. Them. I didn't enjoy them, but I'm prison like, fights. Different. I legitimately yeah. fucking really <laughs> like. Dude, you ever seen a four on? It's a it's a free for all. It's oh four guys. Oh my god, I haven't seen that two shit. Two on two. Like Dude, holy. We might have shit. to do like a fight companion for that one day. I'll get you, you into ever the fucking studio. Prison fights. People are gonna be like, "This guy is so <laughs> fucked. What the hell?" But like, these are my primitive years. You man. you put it on an external drive, and we'll hook it up to my PC, and we That's can watch we'll it. Do. I will just fucking just watch it. Okay. I'm totally down. <laughs> I'll, leave, I'll leave you with this: horse racing and, and fighting. Horse racing and fighting. First ever man right here. The two Cody Safdick. But it's the two the two oldest sports in the world. Name True. me a sport older than either. Touche. There's touché. no older sport, and you yeah. know why that is. Man comes out of his cave <laughs> and sees a guy, another man, trying to do the same thing in a almost. slightly yeah. nicer cave, <laughs> and he fucking fights him. That's fighting. Yeah. Man figured out how to get on top of a horse. First instinct. Bet you I can run this cocksucker faster than you, buddy. <laughs> and those those are the two oldest sports. You you can't trace any sport older than those two. That's me. That's who I am. Primitive, Primitive human. Shit champion right here mr cody saftik he's about to do an mma fight about to win a horse <laughs> yeah. racing fight and the only man to ever do it in history i don't think any of those anybody else in the world is going to be able to cross section those two niche sports right there Hopefully the record stands for <laughs> <laughs> cody thanks i really appreciate you fucking coming on man you're the hey, dude, fucking absolutely. dude like i know you and rg are definitely like repeat guests that i want to have on because we can talk about fucking anything like that that's why i'm kind of archiving these episodes because we don't need to talk about the fucking jds and curtis blades fight coming up we're just reminiscing about fucking good mma days yeah you mind the golden age the regional scene that we get to see too because uh i guess i can kind of spill it out a little bit i got big win don wilson coming yeah, in, in a couple weeks as well win. too right that guy has bear stories he's got great stories right great i can't wait stories. to have i can't wait to have him on too. have a couple of drinks reminisce about canadian mma i know there's nothing really out there like that right that's why i'm really trying to capitalize on that aspect as well but the, the show is combatisseurs and the whole definition behind that is people that are connoisseurs of combat. You know what I mean? Like we watch, you've been watching it since 2006, which is 14 years. I've been watching it since like 2009. So that's closing in on 11 years for me. We have so many stories that a lot of these people that have come in just post Connor era. You know what I mean? They don't really know tons, about the tons, UFC tons. 100 days, no, the UFC tons. 101 days. When fu- who was who 101? BJ Penn and... Uh, no, that was 102. 101 was uh, Anderson Silva and Forrest Griffin. 
That's when he went up to yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that yeah. was in Philadelphia. Ooh, Kenny, Kenny, Kenny Florian, BJ Penn was that name as well. Right. That's, that's right. where I was Philadelphia. Was I remember that shit. But uh, yeah, Dogger Pass podcast from my man Cody Saftik. You guys can follow him at Cody J Saftik. CJ Saftik. What does the J stand for, real quick? Jason. Jason. Yeah. Cody Jason Saftik. That's right. Is my dude right here helping me out. Um, make sure you guys check his stuff out. You guys, If you guys are watching my podcast, more than often, you guys are watching his fucking podcast already. So you guys already know who the fuck he is. Um, make sure you guys check his stuff out. Um, any last shout outs you want to give? Paul. Paul S. I still still don't know how to pronounce his last name. Sean Sean yeah. S. Shout out to you. You're going to get your ass I, in here I'll real just, soon. I'll just say, you know what? Like, And I appreciate you bringing me out. And again, this is uh, the the whole community is very much about respect. I know that guy put up that video today like oh these are the followers <laughs> I got tagged in a couple of them but I was like yeah. I, I don't care because again it's like you just do you and you do the work yeah. so I know by being like yeah it's CJ Saftik I've always gone by that CJ but my parents named me Cody my last name's obviously Saftik yeah. that J that Jason yeah, they left that up to Garth Gordon the trainer that oh, gave yeah, your my godfather. dad and they said and he, fuck dude they bought books and shit on Damn. strong strong masculine male names I don't nice. know how they come up with Jason <laughs> but my best friend's name is Jason so again nice. small world right it fucking works out yeah small world dude Cody is the man I've known this man for so fucking long and I really appreciate him coming on hope you guys enjoyed the episode uh, subscribe to I think you guys have the Dogger Pass podcast uh, channel right is that what it's on or is the we're Pat Mayo Kings. yeah we're on Pat, Kings. Go, go to Kings. Pat Mayo support him because he supports us and Pat Mayo is the fucking man dude. for sure that guy's doing big things up here in Toronto and obviously on the social networking scene um, yeah thanks for checking us out uh, hit the subscribe, hit the like. If you guys want to leave him a comment, I'll definitely make sure he gets that comment as well. Leave, <laughs> so leave you guys me. Check that shit out. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I've said some weird shit. <laughs> I've said some strange shit. <laughs> you're part of the story. I guess your your fans already know that shit. You but. know what? If you if you do watch our show, yeah. and you're watching the show because you watch our show, then, then you know who I am. All right, I'm perfect. an open book. But perfect. If, if you're watching it for the first time, you're like, what the fuck? No, that's leave why I love comment. you. Leave me a comment. Shoot me a message. That's I'd that's love, why I love this man, Cody Saptic. Um, yeah, thanks for watching. We'll see you guys fucking next week. Later. <laughs>